The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who, uh, well, he's feeling, been feeling a little furry lately. He li- what did you do to Jacob now? Wow! Why do I have ears this time? I don't know. He li- <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're happy about it. I don't know why you keep doing this to the boy. Eesh. Every other episode. <laughs> Continue. Oh, why thank you. Meow. This is going to get interesting, people. Let's just say that. Why thank you. Let me use our co-host. Uh, a man who, oh, gets a little bird brain every once in a while. Welcome, Drew. Bird brain? Yeah. Do I look like a murderer crows to you? Uh, maybe. You're wearing black. And your points. <laughs> because you're wearing black too tonight. That's true, but I'm in mourning here. <laughs> well, okay, I'll give you that much. <laughs> also joining us this evening, we have a special guest coming to us live from the Retro... Well, not live from the Retro Rewind podcast, because they're not live right now. But he is joining us from that. He's a man who, uh, well, if they, I don't know. I don't have a good intro for this. Welcome, Paul. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. I, I am a man who's also a website. I am pauljpowers.com. Ah, dot com. That makes sense. <laughs> so, uh, Jacob, we have a guest tonight. I think we need to have an interrogation. I think so. That's oh, yes. right. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Bring it. All right. All right, All right Paul. All right. So as normal, on, on when we have guests, and we've had a lot of guests over the past couple of years, including mm-hmm. on this this month, studio, this month of Studio Ghibli, which is a enormous blessing. So, Paul, like yeah. going into our interrogation of animation wondery or whatever this is called. So... What is your favorite Studio Ghibli movie? Oh. That you've seen. What was that? That you've seen. That, you've that I've seen. seen, yeah, of course. Um, it's, you know, it's it's a tie. I I want to say it's a tie between um, the one you reviewed last week, which was uh, Spirited Away, mm-hmm. and um, and Princess Mononoke. Um mm. But I, I have to lean more towards Princess Mononoke. It's just the animation and the it's just a little bit more tight and fluid. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I would say Princess Mononoke. Mm. That makes sense. All right. All right. Uh, what was the last animated movie you saw in theaters? It was the uh, super... It was... Dragon Ball Super Superheroes, I think, is the title. Of that. <laughs> yeah, that, yes, that is the title. That's the tongue twister. So, what did you think about the film? None yeah, of us I'll... are happy with the double super in that title. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, I have not watched the supers yet. I've only seen a few of the Dragon Ball Z initially. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've seen all the Frieza saga, but uh, 
I have seen the past couple movies like Broly in the movie in the Bruh. theaters, and I I just love it. It's it they really know how to um build the momentum up to mm. a mega fight at the end, and, and that's yes. just a fun watch. Now this time they went 3D animation with the with the cell capture rather yeah. than 2D, and that, I, that go ahead. I was not a. a uh fan of that especially in the, be the beginning of that movie yes especially yes. when they do the zoom in on these uh, characters like they do in traditional animation but mm -hmm. in computer animation it gets pixelated and yeah. so that becomes very obvious on a big giant theater screen but i thought well, it's over... just it's just that the, the regular super art style that was used both in dragon ball super mm -hmm. and in broly is just looks so good yeah that yeah, i can't very... i don't understand why i guess maybe because of covid is the reason why they tried they switched to what might have been a faster process because this looks like the model straight from the uh, dragon ball fighters video game it does look like a video game but the overall story uh i enjoyed the intro of the new characters and uh bringing back some of the characters that you know from before so i mm -hmm. I, I had a fun time with that yeah mm. recommend checking it out excellent so if you were to this is going to be a fun one i think Okay. So if you if talking about Francisco here. Oh, okay. The captain of the Retro Rewind Pod. Cap, you know, Captain Roy. Yeah, Roy. Yes. <laughs> Roy. <laughs> Knowing his infinity, his absolute love for Disney movies. Yes. What Disney movie would you stick Francisco, Captain Roy, into? As a character? As a character. Yeah. Um, I'd have him be command of a ship in um, Treasure Planet. Ooh, ah, I still haven't seen that one. That's a good movie. I, I saw. I recently saw that. It was really good. Yeah, I'm not saying replace him with a certain character. I mean, you can't really replace him with Long John Silver. He's not quite the same captain in no, that. Right, right. No, 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 no. No, but as a captain of his own ship, I think he would fit well in that world. Oh, okay. So kind of same in the same way, if you, if you, uh, what Disney, Disney animated movie would you want to be strapped into? Oh, that is an excellent question. <laughs> oh man. Um, my nostalgic flares are flaring up and, and Robin Hood comes to mind. I Ooh. think that would be a fun, a fun world. Oh, that would in. be fun. Oh yeah. yeah. That'd be so much fun. Uh, what was the most recent? Uh, uh, well, what is your favorite anime movie or television series you've seen? Princess Mononoke for movie, but television. Um. Okay, my this is this is frustrating because. Season, I'll say season one, my favorite season, season one of um, ReZero, what is that called? The Oh, the, the one about the guy who every time he dies, he restarts. Starts over like yeah. a, a video game. Right. That first season is so rich in character and story. And there's a lot of characters. And I'm the kind of person who gets easily lost if there's too many characters. But the mm -hmm. way yeah. it... it pans out it's it's easy to uh to follow and there's a lot going on unfortunately the second season it it's 
it, it, the story kind of grinds to a halt. There's about a fourth of a story in there, mm-hmm. and it's so riddled with dialogue in it. It's just ah, uh, it it does it pales compared to the first season. So that is my favorite season of all time, if nice. if that counts. Okay. I can't say it's like my favorite anime because right. one and two seasons are so different from each other. It's like ah, mm-hmm. uh, frustrating. So I I know I started that show, but I didn't get past like episode four, I think, because yeah. this was too dark for me. Yes, it gets it, it is very get dark. dark. It's not for all audiences, and it, it it gets even darker than that as as the show goes along. But if you can stomach it, I thought it was really well done as far as the character developments yeah. and such. I remember I when I saw the animation that looked good. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. So kind of going in the same theme of, go ahead. No, I was about to say, uh, Francisco's chiming in in the chat. He says, starting, it's re-zero starting life in another world. Thanks, Captain. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Roy. Thank you, Roy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So kind of in the same theme of what we're doing with the Cat Returns is that our main character, what's your name again? Haru. Haru. I love that name, Haru. Um it has no meaning, by the way. Oh, okay. It's really? a cute name. <laughs> really? Interesting. So if you were thrust in the cat world, be like, and you got turned into a cat, would you like would you enjoy it? Would you dread it? Or would you want to find be like, would you be like, I want to stay here? I'm a cat now, or do you want to get out of there fast as you can? There's a part of me that would I would like, hey, I'll make it work. And like they said, it's just lying down on the ground, eating whenever you want, especially if you're in the kingdom or there where everything's taken care of for you. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Okay, I had it wrong. It doesn't mean that Haru doesn't mean nothing. It means spring. Spring. Oh, okay. But it's such a generic name over there. It's not that big a deal. I got you. Now, does it mean spring like the the season season or like the coil wire? It specifically says the season. Okay, good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which kind of fits her character. Sure. Anyway. Unless you were more like Haru's situation where you're, you're literally getting married off to like either the prince or the king is trying to marry you off <laughs> to him. <laughs> That's like, get the furball out of there. <laughs> we'll get more into that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, um, Yeah. So, out of the, what is your favorite, you know, just beyond anime, beyond anime, what is your favorite animated movie? Film of all time is Mm -hmm. The Incredibles. Nice. Hmm. Superhero, action-packed, love it. Nice. I assume one over two. Yes, correct. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I guess two, two has, one is an incredible film. That is like it is just superhero to the brim and just kind of plays kind of plays with the genre a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, definitely. And uh, two is basically just rehashes, sw- uh, flips a few things, and in one case, almost for me, someone who has uh, epilepsy. Oh, or yeah. a case of epilepsy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have a seizure here right now in the theater. And none oh, of us wow. knew that was going to happen no. until it started. Oh no! And we, were, we we were watching it with our friend Chase, uh-huh. and we both knew about that your epilepsy, and we both were wondering, is Jacob gonna be okay? No, that's too bad. <laughs> Jacob, close your eyes. <laughs> They're both doing this number. It's a <laughs> 
because kind of kind of kind of a story i love to tell in this, this show and i nearly killed again, him with spider-man yeah we're talking about spider-man in <laughs> into no way the spider-verse into yeah the Spider-verse. yeah yeah i there can say again. that yeah 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 so going into that so i was not foretold of any of that because i my I'm Tourette's disorder. In my defense, even though I had already seen the movie, I did not know at that time you which had epilepsy. Fine. Which is perfect. I did fine. not know to know to warn you. So we're we're sitting down in the theater and it's Drew's like I'm sitting in the middle, Drew's here, then our friend Wendy's sitting next to us. And it starts going on. I'm like, oh crap. Oh, <laughs> it's no. flashing lights beyond belief. I'm like, oh, it's like true what did you tell me i didn't know <laughs> that, I'm, I'm sitting your there epilepsy had ne- hand, i'm like your epilepsy had never come up in conversation before that is true that is true they're like in, in my defense i never brought it up so it's just more like oh my gosh but it was fine It'd be like i could feel a little twinge here and there but that was perfectly fine in which i am not blaming my my friend here at all he didn't know about it but i i just i love to bring that story up <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> anyways, I think that's the end of our interrogation. I, I think you oh. survived a little bit. Oh, just a little. Thank you. Just yeah, a, yeah, just a little. He didn't get to turn into a cat. Not, yet. not yet. Not yet. <laughs> right, if I stay long enough, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Who knows? All right. So, uh, for you guys, I do have a question. What have you been watching? And I think we're going to start with Paul since he is our guest. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Paul, what have you been watching? Um, so this last week, uh, Zootopia Plus came out on Disney Plus, and I watched that. It's six episodes, which are about 10 minutes long, so it's about an hour. But it's hmm. really mainly uh, shorts. But what it is, it's uh, side characters, and they show, like, a, it, from the movie, and they show, like, a little glimpse from the movie, and then the kind of the story that either led into that brief moment of the movie or after or both. Hmm. So it's kind of like Lion King. What is it? One and a the half. Third one where it's the, the life of Timon and Pumbaa during mm-hmm. yeah. like when what scenes they're not doing in the Lion King. What's that movie called? Is it the, the Lion King one and a half? I think. Yeah, that's it. It's mm-hmm. th- these episodes are like that, but with the Zootopia minor characters. Mm. So those are fun. Uh, I recommend mm. that. Um, the other thing that I watched and boy, this is this is really the timing on this is really unfortunately good and you'll see what i mean uh i i finally got around to watching um batman and superman battle of the super sons that i think Mm, came mm. out in the spring of this year yeah so uh that was a fun watch but the uh the guy who played batman in that was roy baker Mm -hmm. and he sounds a lot like Kevin Conroy, who unfortunately mm-hmm. just passed away today. Mm-hmm. So I, I, for those people who are mourning and rightfully so, as Jacob is wearing the Batman shirt, um, I would keep a lookout for uh, Roy Baker. Is it Roy Baker or Troy Baker? Troy Baker. Troy Baker. Troy Baker as, as uh, a good replacement for uh, a very similar <laughs> uh, Batman. There are several who do the voices for like the video games that haven't mm-hmm. been Kevin Conroy who get kind of close. Some are more gravelly, but uh, I would keep a lookout for Troy Baker on that one. Okay. Oh, okay. So Jacob, what have you been watching? Uh, what I've been watching? Uh, I recently uh, stumbled across Gabriel Iglesias' uh, Studio Fluffy on Netflix. 
That I was... see now why earlier you said you couldn't pronounce Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. You okay. did get close with Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah. I can't pronounce it the way you did, but <laughs> thank you for the translation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you watch uh, Gabriel? Is it a movie? Uh, is no, it a it's, special it's a, or is it a TV it's, show? It's a. Uh, it's a. It's a. Um, it's a special that's at a. I believe at. Oh come on, um, Yankee Stadium in New York. Hmm. And uh, originally he was supposed to do a special for Netflix in San Antonio, but apparently he got COVID last year. And so he wasn't able to do it. And so they were able to do it in New York. And so this was his big first big study uh, stadium uh, concert. Hmm. And it was, it was good. It touched on a lot of things. Definitely COVID touched, touched on a lot of, it was just funny. If you've never watched fluffy, at all, either then or now, it's absolutely hysterical. Oh, the comedian, yes, yeah. the comedian. I was thinking the singer and Glacius. Okay, go no, ahead. Yeah, Gabriel and Glacius, the comedian, yeah, yes. Be- better yeah. known yeah. as Pikachu. Yeah, ah, also known as <laughs> Fluffy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so good. It was so much fun, and uh, yeah, with um, I-, I wanted to so badly now. How I watch uh, Star Trek Lower Decks through the app on my PS4. Mm-hmm. My PS4. And the that and you app, have trouble with that every week. Every single week. So be like, yeah, I'm able to log in, no problem. I can watch one episode, and then the system completely freezes. Darn. The Weird. app completely freezes. You should have the Lower Decks check in on that. Yeah, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet Rutherford could fix that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was this close because we we finished up season two uh, with our review on TAS, and I was this close to watching uh, what was going on in season three. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just gonna hold off because how this ends is like, wow, this is really good. I want to I want to hold that suspense what's going on later, but let's just not do that right now. But other than that, uh, all I'm gonna say is remember, we all in, in lower decks were always following the B story, yeah, not the A story. Nice, that's all I'm gonna say. So, I'm only assuming that the A story and B story merge. All I'm saying is, I have already talked about this episode on what we've been watching, yes, okay, gotcha. And gotcha. this, and the next one is really, there's not a bad, I don't think I saw a bad one in season three, mm. but. There may be weaker ones. We'll see. Okay, but uh, I do I do watch a lot of um, Casual Christmas on YouTube. Uh, it's by a guy named Simon Whistler, and uh, it's basically about true crime. I love I love true crime. Like I've said multiple times throughout this podcast, which and, is uh, why I do not piss my co-host off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't yeah don't don't hack off Ashley because she watches she goes to sleep listening to pop to. Uh, true crime podcast. Oh wow! That's what puts her to sleep, which is scary. yeah. You really should be very careful with that. By the way, <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, perfectly. Yes, perfectly. Yes. I, I, Ashley, I, I know you're listening. Maybe not live, but I know you're going to be listening to this eventually. I'm not saying that <laughs> because I think you actually want to murder your boyfriend here. I'm just saying. <laughs> 
he needs to be careful because he doesn't want to tempt you. <laughs> I think someone's going to die. <laughs> so, Jacob, if you wind up missing... <laughs> this episode will be... Uh, be a record a? of it. <laughs> we know who to look for, so... I got you. I good got luck you. on that, Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, that is all I have been watching. What about you, Drew? So, of course, I, as I've been doing, like I've said, every week for the past, what, five, six weeks now, uh-huh. I am watching Spy Family. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that is a highlight of my week. Uh, the last episode was really good. I really am looking forward to when we throw this in lower in the animated series because this is a good show and i highly suggest it to anybody um that so this is the one where twilight meets his opposite spy yes (laughs) yes it is (laughs) his uh this is the one with daybreak yes there's twilight and an opposite is daybreak wow Uh, (laughs) the less said about that the better, the better. that yes. is hilarious yeah oh my gosh that is funny but it's also <laughs> the one where we find out that anya's telepathy has a weakness ah yeah so what no more adventure be like more adventure with bond it's bond we is there her, okay <laughs> we find out what her kryptonite is so to yes. speak oh. oh okay it's not chocolates or cookies well no. you have to watch to find out okay then <laughs> let's just say uh the last couple nights would show that she would be having trouble right now. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. Beyond. Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, I haven't watched a whole... Well, I'll take it back. I have been watching something else. Uh, back when the uh, Doctor Who first switched over to the to, uh, Jodie Whittaker, mm-hmm. I think is her name, as the, the female Doctor, I watched like a bit of the first season and then I dropped out mostly because I'd been watching Doctor Who for like eight years straight at that point. And so I needed a apparently I mostly needed a break, especially with uh the end of the twelfth doctor being as lackluster as it was. Not saying there weren't mm-hmm. good episodes, but yeah. And I need been needing something else to watch. And mm-hmm. considering some recent news in the Doctor Who fandom. I decided I needed to catch up with the episodes I missed. So I finished season 10, the first season with Jodie Whittaker in there. Mm-hmm. That shows a lot better than I originally gave it credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am actually enjoying it. In fact, I just saw the New Year's special mm-hmm. and I was watching that and going, wow, this is actually really really good now is it good compared to the previous doctor who was who was so lackluster or capaldi actually was good in his first couple seasons i i honestly feel the reason the problem with capaldi is uh the showrunner at the time Stephen moffat was just off his game there getting closer and closer to the end and was probably should have quit a season earlier a season or two earlier uh and really, after that first Matt Smith season, 
he with him doing double duty with Sherlock at the time, I think that caused more issues with uh, the show in general, just the quality of it. That saying it wasn't good because I mean, there's a lot of good episodes in there, but this it, it is uh, it is as good as I would say Matt Smith's first season was. Wow! Hmm. Just to put it in perspective, that's impressive. Hmm. I'm not saying there's not some things I wish were different, but I mean at sure. the same time, it's handled well. That's good. So hmm. yeah, and that's pretty much what I have been watching. Hmm. So, Jacob, uh, what do we got in the news? Well, that didn't play right. <laughs> the Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. Why think you deal it? Do I still have ears? Maybe. She says you'll just have to wait to find out. Lovely. I like your Anyways. whiskers, though. Uh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> Where's the cat? Where's my mouse? <laughs> She's laughing, by the way. Oh, joy. <laughs> All right, so when uh, we start with some, you know, more the the more breaking news that I learned this morning, uh, oddly enough, through a, a group chat that said uh, Kevin Conroy had passed away. Uh, so, Bye, Batman. so, yeah, the voice of Batman. No, literally, it's like when you talk about the, you know, everyone always says this character is my version of Batman, it's who I think of Batman. Uh, this was mine. Yeah, Kevin Conroy yeah. will always be my Batman. Yeah, agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, so I saw that and was like, okay, maybe it's a joke or something, but no. Uh, sadly, on uh, yesterday, which would have been the 10th, uh, Kevin Conroy, prolific uh, fan favorite voice of DC's Batman through animated series, through you know constant inc- incarnations of that character, uh, sadly passed away at the age of 66 after a short battle of cancer. Uh, donning Bat- the Batman cowl, uh, Conroy set, uh, set unbroke record, voicing the iconic character for nearly 16 different productions, including 16 films, 15 animated series, spanning nearly 400 episodes mm-hmm. and more than 100 hours of television. And then, and more than two dozen video games, he's also appeared in the live action as Bruce Wayne himself, from the Arrowverse Crisis at Infinite Earths in uh, 2019 to 2020 in recent years, fans have encountered him as a warm, um, a warm fixture on the con- the Comic Con circuit, and he will be truly missed. Um, for anybody who grew up in the 90s and watched Batman the Animated Series, that's Kevin Conroy, and uh, I-, I guarantee there are a lot of people who are not just nerd nerd nerds like a lot of us are, but are just be like, have a fondness for Batman, the animated series. And, uh, we lost a true legend in the mm-hmm. voice act voice talent community. So Kevin Conroy will be truly missed. Uh, so going on to something that just recently happened, like, like happened literally, today. like literally half an hour before we started. Yes. 
so I'm I'm doing the news, and I think someone had mentioned I saw something about uh, on my news feed on Facebook something about Studio Ghibli. And well, I posted the, the teaser yesterday on uh, on our Facebook page yeah. of the Studio Ghibli Lucasfilm collaboration. Mm-hmm. But yesterday, that's all we knew until about like literally yeah, an exactly. hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, what he's referring to, it was a tweet that they posted out uh, on, uh, sadly, yesterday, this, uh, November 10th, uh, that it was just basically, it was a flashing image. It was a flash image of the Lucasfilm logo before showing the Studio Ghibli its bill, like its own marker. And so today they released, uh, and I put update, because literally, be like, I've got notes done, and then I get uh, the message from Paul it's like, oh, this is updated. And then I get the message from Drew. It's like, oh, here's more update information. Nice. So uh, this weekend uh, just got a lot more exciting for animation fans. Disney Plus viewers will be traded to a brand new animated short called Zen. I'm Gogur? Gogur. Grogu. Grogu. There again, I have a hard time with English. <laughs> and then, you, and then you get a name like Grogu. Yeah, Gogur. And, uh, I, I'm gonna butcher it, Baby Yoda. Let's just call Baby him Baby Yoda. I am terrible with English people, and I speak English. To quote, uh, what's her name from the end of the Book of Fat? That's a horrible name. I'm never calling you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Gogurt. I'm gonna butcher it again. Uh, Did you Baby say Yoda yogurt? The, gogurt. Um, gogurt. <laughs> okay, that is officially the name of the Spaceballs variant of Baby Yoda. <laughs> gogurt. gogurt. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> oh, so Baby Yoda and the Dust Bunnies, a an exciting collaboration between Studio Ghibli and Lucasfilm. Uh, time to celebrate the third anniversary of the third anniversary of the Mandalorian and its streaming service. The short premieres on November twelfth, which is tomorrow on Saturday, probably the day after this episode comes out, possibly exclusively on Disney Plus. So, yeah, if you want to get your Mandalorian fix on and you love Studio Ghibli, which we're doing a review over this, on this episode, like, go check it out. I guarantee a lot of people are like, when's it launch? When's it launch? When's it launch? Because I got to get that early. Probably at two in the morning. Probably. Which I will be asleep during. Same here. Cause I'm, I am a nerd and I will watch this. But I will watch this in the morning. Yes. <laughs> because I am also an old man now. <laughs> Oh, you're not that old. No, I'm not a that good old. Good Saturday morning cartoon. That is true. Exactly. There we go. So yeah. Before we make fun of Roy on the on uh, the, the Saturday, <laughs> what's not Saturday Adventures right now? Yes. Yeah. So that is all I have for in the news, unless somebody else has more information that I don't. That's all I've got. Excellent. You got anything, Paul? So uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into the spoiler-free section of our review on The Cat Returns. Wow. <sighs> Certified fresh and spoiler-free. So, Paul, why don't you start us off? What are your spoiler-free thoughts? No, I'm one on of those weirdos that thinks there's no such thing as a spoiler-free review. It's like, hey, this is a movie. It was made. Anything of the plot or anything. I will say, but what i consider a spoiler but without getting away any plot details this is a a delightful fantasy movie um about cats 
<laughs> okay then that's a good one well then let me ask you this would you suggest somebody go watch the film sure there's a certain group of people um that i would that yeah it's not for everybody but if you if you're uh uh what what do they call uh someone who is a ghibli fan uh, i would call i would say I yes no <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard a fan name for that i think yeah. it's just gets lumped in with the rest of anime so you get a talk ghibli maniacs i don't know whatever a um, ghibliite the, sure um all you ghiblis out there <laughs> <laughs> uh you know you gotta see it it's by the studio so it's a must but it, uh if you're an animation fan um it's uh, you just gotta watch all that ghibli puts out even uh grogert <laughs> All right. All right, Jacob, what are your spoiler-free thoughts? Oh man. How what what can I say about except just meow? Dang it, we're gonna work on that. Dlets. Do you at least have an antidote this time? No? What? How long does it take to wear off? Well, at least she'll be done before you, you and Ashley meet up for your date tomorrow. Okay, good. Supposedly. Supposedly. <laughs> so hopefully there's no catnip. Huh? Otherwise, it's going to get weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I absolutely love this film. To make a long story short, we were do, we were viewing last year, I believe we were. Yes. Last, last year is we when we viewing, did that. Uh, uh, What's the movie called again? Whispers of the Heart. Thank you. Whispers of the Heart. There again, I'm terrible with English. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> the Heart Whispers anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Whispers of the Heart. I watched this. I'm like, I'm so entranced by this one little scene with the Baron, the cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. Be like, And I remember Drew telling me about, it's like, there is, there's another movie. And it's like, what? There's another movie? Do you have this? It's like, Sure. Can I borrow it? Sure. So literally, I, I, I think I, it literally went more. It's like, do you need to borrow um, uh, whispers of the heart? Yes, I do. So you borrowed it. Yes. And then literally you come over, we get ready to review. Says, by the way, didn't you say that there was a, a, a spinoff to this? I said, yes. Says, Can I borrow it? I said, it's right there. <laughs> and you went over and you watched it. Yes. And I absolutely love this film. It's so good. Uh, animation wise beautiful uh story wise great recommend it yes go watch this fun movie uh i don't think you really necessarily have to know whispers of the heart you don't to watch this movie be like unless it's just more like you you see uh you see fatso in it this is like you call the character fatso (laughs) because he's called fatso a lot the english Uh, does he's fat so yeah he's fat only on that last one the rest of the time i'll get more into that but they they don't really go into the fat so thing that much Mm. there is the one time where she calls her him muto yeah muto instead of buto which is the pig version in japanese yes i've got that in my notes oh gosh (laughs) but yeah it's a it's a great movie it's a great movie how do i go watch it uh it's just Carrie Elways as the Baron, just like mwah. Great. Yes. So Excellent. yes. So what you, Drew? 
This is my third viewing of this film. I'm sorry. I mean, we'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, I actually remember seeing this like on the very first, uh, the trailers for this, like on the very first Studio Ghibli DVD. I think I rented mm -hmm. from Netflix back when we used to get Netflix through the mail. Mm -hmm. I think technically you still can, but mm -hmm. I don't. Um, and I remember thinking this was an interesting looking story, but I didn't know what it was. And uh, it was not until about 2018, 2019, somewhere in there that I ended up buying this, not because we were doing it for the podcast mm -hmm. at the time, but because this was just it, there were studio ghibli movies available at walmart it's like well i better pick these up while i still can so i picked up the cat returns whispers of the heart and i think two or three others i don't remember which ones right now hmm. and the cat returns was the one i was the most interested in at the time so i threw that one in no i'm sorry i told you that wrong i sent a picture of these to a friend of mine that i was going to go visit that weekend and he said uh you know his wife had seen all the others, but they hadn't seen whispers of the heart. So they, so we went and we watched that movie. So you watched it first. <laughs> we watched, no, wait, you had we already watched seen... whispers of the heart first. Okay, and then good. when I got home, I threw in the cat returns. Cause I was curious where this, how these, the way whispers of the heart ends. I, in my mind is like, this is cat returns. It's supposed to be a sequel. How does this fit into that other story? And the answer is it doesn't. Far <laughs> superior. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I watched it right after we watched whispers of the heart last year for, uh, the podcast. And of course I watched it, uh, earlier this week at my friend Chase's house. Nice. Because literally I get over there and I told him what we were reviewing this week says, dude, we gotta sit, we gotta watch that tonight. I said, well, I wish you'd have told me I would have brought it. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home and I brought it. Uh, so yeah, this is. I'm not going to say it's my favorite Ghibli movie, but I think it might be one of, because I think all, all the ones that Miyazaki did, I think are going, a lot, most of those are going to top this one, mm -hmm. but uh, this is definitely in my upper half hmm. of uh, Studio Ghibli films. Nice. So I do highly suggest people watch it because uh, this really scratches an itch. I tend to forget I have maybe uh but if we don't have anything else why don't we go ahead and hit the bumpers and then we'll get to spoiling this thing this podcast is a proud member of culture box whether you enjoy geeky reviews comedy or original fiction you can open up the culture box and find something excellent for your soul point your web browser to culturebox.media this week we suggest checking out stunning and brave where each week host chris cowan of the Babylon Bee, and Nate Henderson, of some boring budgeting job, confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts, and fabricate outrage, all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out Stunning and Brave at stunningandbrave.net. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Ruiz, Book of Gaming. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. And yes, Paul, I do still need to add you to that list. 
Oh, no worries. I was about to say that almost sounded like Dr. Claw there for a second. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) I mean, meow. (laughs) The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie The Cat Returns. Listener discretion is advised. The Cat Returns, or as it's known in Japanese, Neko no Onigashi was directed by Hiroyuki Morita and written by Reiko Yoshida. Getting into the cast, we've got Haru being played by Anne Hathaway, who ironically, after this, would go on to star as Selena Kyle in The Dark Knight Returns. Wow. So the girl who got turned into a cat later became Catwoman. Yes. (laughs) Baron Humpert von Geekigen, or just the Baron, was played by Carrie Elways, who is probably more well known, most well known as Wesley in The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Excellent film. Uh, Muto, or Muta, sorry, also aka Ronaldo Moon, was played by Peter Boyle. And uh, he's, I know him mostly as the monster in Young Frankenstein, but he also plays uh, Frank Barone in Everybody Loves Raymond, mm-hmm. which yeah. honestly, this role is closer to Frank than the monster. I got you. Yeah. Everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> Toto, the uh, crow, was played by Elliot Gould, and he played Trapper John in the movie for- version of MASH. Really? Yeah. Okay. The Cat King was played by Tim Curry, <laughs> and he played Cardinal Richelieu in uh, The Three Musketeers. Yes. I missed which Three Musketeers that was, but. That was the Disney. Okay, the good one then. Yeah. The Disney right. candy bar, yeah. Yes. The Disney candy bar. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Prince Loon was played by Andrew Bevis, and uh, he had nothing else on IMDb, so I did a little bit more looking up since hmm. the Wikipedia actually did have a link for him, which is odd in these instances. Hmm. He is actually an Australian theater actor. And this was one of the few, this is like the only thing he did that was not like Australian theater. Well, the die, mate. Exactly. Um, Yuki was played by Judy Greer, and she played Maggie Lang in Ant-Man. That's Scott's ex. Yeah. Ah. Notori, who was kind of playing the evil, who's the evil Vasir cat. Mm -hmm. uh, He was played by Rene Aubergenois, who I know mostly as Odo in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh. Oh. Yes. Natoru, who was the very smiley, happy cat. Oh, gosh. That cat. <laughs> Hi! Was played by Andy Richter. Uh-huh. Who pretty much had to have been inspired by his role as Mort in Madagascar. Mm. You know, the little uh, small fluffy one that was King Julian's brown noser. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I've watched that movie. We have to, we'll have to put that on the list. Exactly. Check. Uh, Naoko... Yoshioka, which was Haru's mother, mm-hmm. was played by Kristen Sutherland. And uh, she played Joyce Summers in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Huh. And uh, Hiromi, her friend, was played by Kristen Bell, hmm. who played Cora in Astro Boy. Hmm. And I'm, we'll get to that <laughs> in our you. Kingdom Hearts connection. Oh. Thank you <laughs> for sparing us. <laughs> because along with like I said, she was Hiromi here. She played the character of Anna. I said the name right. 
Thank you. Reprising her role from Frozen in Kingdom Hearts. Awesome. Anna what? Hmm? She's I don't know Anna's what? last name. No, but she's on. I thought you said she's on a. She's on a what? <laughs> on on top of a what? I don't even know how to jump off that one to continue the joke. <laughs> oh, continuing on from there. Courtney Draper was additional voices in both. Bradley Pierce was additional voices in both. Robert Clotworthy was additional voices in both. Ned Lott was the English version casting director for both. And then in the Japanese version, Mitsuru Miyamoto while he was additional voices for The Cat Returns, he played Simba in Kingdom Hearts 2. Nice. Hakuna Matata. Indeed. So that brings me to the end of our cast list. What do we got in info and stuff, Jacob? All right. So info and stuff. All right. So IMDb has a 7.2 out of 10. If you are subscribed to HBO Max, available to you there. While oh, it's still there. Yeah, while it's still there. Come on, HBO. Well, Disney might snap it up. No, wait, they sold their rights, didn't they? To G-Kids. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, so production was by Studio Ghibli, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, distribution buzz was by Toho. And then its English translation was by Disney. And then recently, it was uh, the distribution rights was done by G-Kids. Mm-hmm. All right, so its original release, uh, original... Theatrical release was July 20th, 2002 in Japan, and it was released released July 13th, July 13th, 2005 here in the United States. So going on to box office, its opening weekend for United States and Canada was $254,000 of that weekend. Its U.S. gross was fairly close with that was $563,000. It's worldwide gross with that release uh, was $54.5 million. And it's overall gross between uh, Japan and America. And overall uh, it is grossed over 65 million in the box office. It's home release. The film was dubbed in English by Walt Disney Pictures for the release of the DVD on February 22nd, 2005, along with Nasca of the, Nasca of the Valley of the Wind, uh, Porto, Por, Porco Rosso, uh, Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment released the film on Blu-ray in the United States on June 16th, 2015. G-Kids re-released the film on DVD and Blu-ray on July 16th, 2018. So that's all I have for an info and stuff. All right. Getting into the summary. Haru is a shy but noble high school student who has suppressed has suppressed an ability to talk with cats. One day, she saves the cat from being hit by, hit by a truck on a busy road. She The cat she saves turns out to be Loon, princess, prince of the cat kingdom. I almost... Mess that one up. <laughs> As a thanks, the cats give Haru gifts of catnip and mice. She is offered by the princess, offered the princess hand in marriage. Her mixed reply is taken as a yes. Wanting none of this, 
Haru hears a kind female voice which tells her to seek out Muta, a large white cat, and gets directions to the cat bureau from him. Muta leads him there to meet the Baron, which was the same Baron from Whispers of the Heart, who is a cat figurine given life by the work of his artist, and Toto, a stone raven who comes to life much like the Baron. Soon after meeting them, Haru and Muta are forcefully taken to the cat kingdom, leaving Toto and the Baron in the human world to follow the group from the air. They find the entrance to the cat kingdom on Earth, five lakes forming a cat's paw. How convenient. Haru is treated to a feast at the castle of the cat king. She begins to slowly turn into a cat with tan paws, ears, nose, tail, and whiskers. For a second, she also gets fangs, though she still remains mostly human. The king hopes she will make a suitable bride for the prince, but at the feast, the baron, in disguise, dances with Haru as part of the entertainment. He reveals to her that the more she loses herself in the kingdom, the more cat-like she will become, and that she has to rediscover her true self. When the Baron is discovered and forced to fight the guards, he and Haru are helped by Yuki, a white cat maiden in the palace who has previously tried to warn Haru to leave the cat kingdom. After Yuki shows them an escape tunnel, Haru, the Baron, and Muta move through a maze to a tower which contains a portal to Haru's world. The king goes through a series of efforts to keep them in the kingdom long enough for Haru to remain trapped in her cat form. His ultimate plan is still to force her to become his daughter-in-law. Prince Luna and the guards return to the cat kingdom, revealing the king was not acting on his behalf and that he planned on proposing to Yuki. Muta is revealed to be Ronaldo Moon, a notorious criminal in the kingdom, having devoured a whole lake of fish in one session. Haru learns that the strange voice who had advised her to go to the cat bureau was Yuki's. In her childhood, Haru had saved Yuki from starvation by giving her the fish crackers that she was eating, and thus Yuki has now repaid her kindness. After she rejects the king's marriage proposal outright, Muta tells Haru, I respect a woman who stands up for herself, and proceeds to help her escape from the king's soldiers. Eventually, the Baron, Haru, and Muta escape the cat's realm with the aid of Prince Loon and Toto, and Haru discovers her true self, telling the Baron how much she has come to like him. She tells her he tells her the doors to the cat bureau will be open for her again if she ever if the need ever arises. Haru returns to the human world with more self-confidence after learning from her friend Hiromi that her former crush has broken up with his girlfriend, she simply replies, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm in love with the Baron. Exactly. <laughs> it's the uh, doctor all over again. Uh, getting into the trivia. This movie started with when Studio Ghibli received a proposal from a Japanese theme park to make a 20-minute animation starring cats. Hmm. This was originally going to be a short, straight-to-video project, but producer Toshio Suzuki was so impressed with director Hiroyuki Morita's storyboards, and especially the main character of Haru, that he encouraged planner Hayao Miyazaki to give this a cinematic release. So far, this is Studio Ghibli's only spinoff or sequel feature film. Hmm. When every other cat in the human world and the cat kingdom has paws, the Baron has human-shaped hands covered in gloves and sporting long fingers and visible thumbs. He is also noticeably, noticeably smaller in the human world, about two-thirds the size of an average cat. The attributes mirror these seen on the Baron figurine in Whispers of the Heart, 1995. One reoccurring joke in the original Japanese dub is that Muta keeps being mistakenly called Buta, which is Japanese for pig. Translators were unable to work this joke into the English dub. The nearest they came was for Haru to call him Muta and have him think she was calling him a cow. Mm -hmm. During the development stages, Studio Ghibli used this film as an opportunity to try out a younger director aware that the studio needed to groom talent 
that could eventually succeed Hayao Miyazaki and Aisao Takahata. This is Peter Boyle's only English dub role for an anime film. Really? And both the Cat King and the Prince share the gene that causes two different color eyes known as uh, heterochromia. Hmm. Which brings me to the end of the trivia. Paul, I'm going to start with you. What is your first like for this film? My first like is that uh, is the story itself. It's this is a fantasy story of and the idea of uh, cats uh, talking and walking and having a land of their own. It's very similar to Alice in Wonderland, which I know in your last episode that your uh, co- your guest host Cody brought up about some of the other Studio Ghibli films is mm-hmm. it's a lot like Alice going into uh, another world like this one he instead of a following a white rabbit she follows a white cat into another world a so rather it, large white cat yeah Very large white cat <laughs> who speaks english or japanese depending on the version you watch mm-hmm. uh, and uh so it's human at least yeah yeah <laughs> but overall i like the fantasy story of it all all right jacob what is your first like my first like is going to uh gonna lean like so heavily into paul's it's not even funny the story in this movie is fantastic it is there it is a fantasy story and so it is a world of felines there again i am a dog person but this movie just it is such a good movie, such a good storytelling where you say that but there was a dog at the uh yes feast. there was which we had no explanation for yeah a, a very large bull terrier <laughs> oh that's right yeah, well, he wandered in like she did, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. Uh, maybe he's the, a spy for the cat. You never know. Dogland. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, mean, like, I, I love the story of Haru as this awkward teenager that just, just happens to scoop up a cat that's about to get run over and uh, just stumbles into this world of cats and uh, the Baron and Muta and like the entire cast is just of characters is just wonderful. And you get into the world of cats and just the story, the laying of the story. It it's not one of these like deep in depth, like goes like goes to the bottom of the barrel and brings up all these great nuggets, but it's just a, it's just a rich story that is so well done and so well done executed that it's just, the story is just, I wouldn't say perfect, but it's just wonderful. It's wonderful. It's amazing. What's yours, Drew? This is Doctor Who, but with cats. Wow. Oh. Uh, I, I, I know that sounds strange, but... Yes, please elaborate. If, you, yes. if you've ever watched Doctor Who, you know there's a couple of archetypes that mm. seem to pop up over and over again. The Baron is obvious... Is, I, I attribute as being essentially the doctor, mm, the okay. hero who you're never quite sure what he's doing, but he has a plan <coughs> about what's going on. Uh, Haru is the modern day human companion mm-hmm. that, you know, she's the, uh, the, the guide for the audience that uh, okay. the eyes for the audience to see this whole crazy world. So she, she's all her reason she is there. So we have at least, good reason to explain what's going on except she's also a major portion of the plot since everything is this whole plot is revolving around her anyway and muto i don't or muta i keep wanting to call muto i, I blame tenchi for that 
But uh, Muta is, he's a companion character also, but I can't, I don't, he's obviously more aware of what's going on. Uh, I'd say the same about Toto, but Toto doesn't do it. It is like barely in this film. Would, uh, would you say Howl's Moving Castle is also a Doctor Who kind of? Kind of. Similar? Okay. Kind of, but I think this more fits into, I, I could, you, all you have to do really is change like character names. And I think mm -hmm. this could be a Doctor Who episode oh, in many ways. Mm -hmm. This really feels like it's an episode of Doctor Who. And I will admit this might've been what, like I said, this movie scratched an etch I forgot I had. And that was for Doctor Who, which might be <laughs> why I started rewatching Doctor Who. It all makes week. sense. That does make sense. Um, this so this it's, is it's Dr. A, Meow. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a fun movie, um, you know, with all the, the stuff running around. And it's like a good, fun adventure movie. You kind of are always like, even if you're a step ahead, there's always some little twist coming up. Uh, it's got a lot of great characters. But like I said, it feels like it's an episode of Doctor Who where somehow everyone is cats. Hmm. <laughs> So yeah, that's my first like. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Paul, what is your second like? Well, I first watched this. Um, I prefer to watch it in the original, so I watched Fair. this subbed, and uh, I had some extra time because I think it's only like an hour and ten minutes, seventy. Yeah, minutes. this is a very short film. So um, I watched the dub. So first, before watching the dub, I was my, my second like was going to be one of the shocking things about this movie. If you're going into a Studio Ghibli movie, the the character designs are more rough than the soft round faces that you see by Hao Miyazaki. Mm -hmm. The character designs, but I was gonna say like the animation, the fluid, how the characters move, and especially how the cats move, and like when they're chasing mice, it's very realistic. It's very good animation. But then I watched the dub version, and oh my gosh, Carrie Elways has such a great <laughs> voice in this. Yes, yes. That, oh, it's tragic to me that he didn't do more more voice overacting work, uh, especially when he was younger and had that great accent of his. And it's so rich, and it's so. I usually prefer the the acting of the original of the Japanese because usually the acting. Um, the the range of the voice actors in Japanese has a much uh, it's more dramatic normally, mm -hmm. but this the dub of this I was impressed. Uh, the all not just Carrie, but all the the actors, the American actors and English actors that it that helped contribute to this. I was impressed by the dub version, but uh, Carrie always just brings it up to a whole not another level, but a whole other uh, level of the atmosphere. It's like. Oh man, we we just needed more of him back then. I don't know why we didn't. I, he maybe it's because he wanted to play more villainous roles, but he is so great as the hero. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed. So Should... Carrie always stole my second like and became. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, what's your second like? Okay, so I wanted to go back to your first like for a second. So you're talking about how almost comparing doctor who with the cat returns mm -hmm. or ghibli in general okay so who would be like in this in this movie be like who would be the comparison to captain jack ronaldo moon <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you that's all i needed captain jack sparrow no, no. Captain jack Har harkness harkness <laughs> from doctor, doctor who, who. 
Oh, okay. Sorry. I've only seen one episode of Doctor Who, so oh, okay. that's fair. Fair for fair. Uh, so going into my second like, I think there's there, there's a mind melt going on between me and uh, Paul here because Carrie Ellis stole this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I freaking love his performance. Yeah. I mean, like he just steals every single scene, and it's just this proper. Higher British. Uh, I can't even do it because there again, I'm not British. I'm American. And he does uh, it just with his voice. I exactly. don't know how he does it. It's oh, it's incredible. Uh, the, I would love to see some footage of him in the uh, recording booth. Oh, it's hilarious. This. I still haven't watched the extras on the disc. It but. is hysterical. The, the scene where uh, the Baron is fighting off the uh, the guard protecting uh, Haru, and he's beating him off with his cane. <laughs> and Haru leans him, like, oh, you're cane. He's like, oh, it's Prince. Be like, I was needing another one. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> perfect. Oh, my gosh. Be like, Carrie Ellis has always been a fantastic actor. And, like, the what I've seen him in, he is fantastic. He is a wonderful actor. Be like, I miss it, may disagree with him politically, but... Uh, as, as an actor, I freaking love his performance as the Baron, the cat, whatever. I'll be like, how are you pronounce his real name? That's a, there's a reason I just call him the Baron, the Baron yes. because it's such a long name. Um, and, and the way they pronounce it in the Japanese version, it's like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. But when Carrie always pronounces it, he, it just rolls off the tongue uh -huh. beautifully. Mm -hmm. I don't does. know how he did it, but it was perfect. Yeah. Yes. It's like, oh, it's German. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's so well done. It'll be like his his performance knocks it out of the park. But like, yeah, of course, we like this the the cast in this movie is so well done. Be like you have a bunch of you know amazing actors mm -hmm. at the time. And um what am I saying? They were great actors in, in their yeah. day, and even today, they're great actors and actresses. And uh, just Carrie Ellis just holds his movie on a his performance on a pedestal mm. and just brings it. And you just you love every single moment the Baron is on screen, and it's just like, dude, you're awesome. <laughs> As I, I think it's uh, like one of the cats would be like, dude, he's kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the this is it. Be like careful. Carrie Ellis' performance as the Baron, he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Drew. it's no wonder Haru has a crush on him, and everyone else thinks he's cool. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, my second like is going to be the backgrounds in the real world sections oh. because oh, they that's... are so beautifully drawn. Uh, they're, they're they're complex, but yet they never feel like they're uh, noisy. If that makes yeah. any sense. It's yeah. what it's what I've been I've I call apparent minimalism where it's it's made up of a lot of complex structures but when you look at it you just it's it if it, it sticks in your mind like it's minimalism mm -hmm. it's wonderfully they all look pretty amazing and beautiful and that that town even the uh when they go to the uh, the, the the bureau itself is mm -hmm. all of that area is still just drop dead gorgeous with its designs i wonder if to some degree they stuck with that because this is kind of in the same universe as whispers of the heart mm -hmm. kind of yeah and so they had the look of that city to go off of which was a more realistic take than most uh ghibli stuff is yeah. but i loved just how real in, the, in a sense the world it, the real world actually felt in this 
just because of how well the background artists did. Yeah. Speaking of backgrounds, I wondered if you noticed this. Uh, so um, first of all, the Japanese, when they pronounce English words, they often get the R and the L's mixed up. Yes. Because that's hard for them in their natural tongue. I think it's either the L or the R. I don't remember which is not. I think it's the L is not a native sound in their language. Right. I think it's the problem. So that's why it gets messed up. Right. So when Haru is told to meet the, the white cat at the crossroads in the background, she's walking through the marketplace and there are Mm -hmm. flags that say, for most of the movie, cross loads with an yeah. L, except for I did one, see that. one scene, it's like five seconds long, the L is changed to an R, and it actually says cross roads. And then, this is towards the end, but then, yeah. and then later it's changed back to cross loads. So they they got it, it was, it's funny, if it's something to look <laughs> yeah. out for uh, in the background, how that nice. changes depending mm-hmm. on, on, but it, it's it's funny. Mm. All right. Uh, Paul, do you have a third like? I don't know if I actually told you to do three or not, but. No, you didn't. But my apologies. Um, no, you can. I, I mentioned before that I, I had three, but Curie always <laughs> took that one. So I'll go back to how I was impressed how well this was animated. Um, like I said, it's the character designs are a bit rough, but you get used to it kind of quickly and i'm impressed by the fluid movement of the characters as an animation um buff that i am i love the animated movies and no animation is not a genre because it's they're all different genres yeah it's a medium yes and some are do not move realistically and this i was impressed by the Mm -hmm. way the movements of the characters I'll, I'll tell you, here's a bonus one for you. The King's security guards, the black and white cats that look like they have suits on, like they're, like they're the, uh, oh, yes. the, yeah, the, the, the cats in black. Yes. Black. <laughs> yes. Like the, uh, the, they're protecting the president with the secret service, mm-hmm. but they're black and white. The fur on it looks like suits and yeah, the way they behave and everything. It's fun. I, it, that, that was a fun, uh, uh, thing to watch. Yeah. And when the cats clap, they don't clap like humans. They mm-hmm. have like puffy mittens or something. It sounds right. So it, tiny little details like that make it more fun. Uh, All right, Jacob, do you have a third? My third, it kind of there again. Be like, there's a there's a there's a psychic connection going on here, Paul. Hey, we uh, know animation exactly, <laughs> exactly. The the animation when they when you see the the cats on parade when they're yeah. bringing mm-hmm. the the you know. Cat King Cat, the king, yeah, the Cat King. Cat King, thank you. He's never given a name besides no, it's Cat, just king. Cat King. Yeah. Uh, played beautifully by uh, Tim Curry. Uh, Tim Curry. Oh my! And, and I will give Tim Curry this. It's not until like near the end that it's obvious that it's Tim Curry. Yeah. I didn't know till afterwards. So yeah, yeah, that's true. there's a, there's a there's a couple of lines there when he gets like angry and excited that it's like oh there's Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> The curry popped out. Yes. <laughs> now I see him, you know, like in that FMV uh, Command and Conquer game where he's like, where he's like going mad and crazy talking about going to space. <laughs> anyway. I, like whenever I think Tim Curry, I think uh, 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 Toxic from uh, 
uh, Fern Gully. That's who I think. Oh of. yeah, yeah. But uh, like the the that that animation scene where the cats in parade when they're bringing the the uh, the cat king up, be like it's so like incredible how be like they had to have studied like cat movement for yes. like mm-hmm. how long like it's literally how they walk be like if they walk they literally have to restep yeah like every frame and it's just like that is dedication that is just like detail beyond belief and i was some just, of it looks rotoscoped you know it does how well detailed yeah. it was yeah yeah it does look rotoscoped mm-hmm. but um it's like how the cats are like when they you know become you know human human like it's like how be like you said be like how they move their hands yeah be like how they you know like everything it, it like their performance is like a cat but more like it's just the subtle details of how they make them, you know, move like an actual cat and not right. be like, let's try mm-hmm. to modify this to make them walk like a human. And it's just so well done. It's just like animation wise, just beautiful. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's my third, like walk like a cat jumping off of that. This is not my third, like, but okay. I want to, I want to mention, I want to add this to yours. Okay. The, uh, have you ever seen it when the cats kind of stand like up on their hind legs? Yeah. Yep. And how that, that what's interesting as I thought was any every time the cats were you know standing like humans they actually kind of looked like the like that yeah like mm-hmm. like, like prairie dogs basically yeah right <laughs> so I, I appreciate I, I just wanted to throw that on there nice. to go with that but, but uh, my third like is Haru's character design overall mm-hmm. um I like how because uh, we, we see her you know as normal human and then like what half cat and mm-hmm. then three quarter cat yeah. and almost cat until you know at near the end where she's human again and then we see that last shot of her where they dressed her where they drew her more grown up mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I appreciate the added look of maturity there but I like how in all of these forms she still has she's still recognizable yeah. this would be so so easy for them to have just designed a new form and said that's haru and you couldn't tell like how one got to the other and i've seen some stuff do that but i appreciate how this like you could you could tell it's like they it was it's haru from one end to the other mm-hmm. and i appreciated that consistency in there because i literally you could see how she morphed from human to cat mm-hmm. uh so yeah i i enjoyed that and this was yeah. kind of bounce of what you just said about haru herself mm-hmm. be like her progression as a character you start off this character who doesn't really like has no confidence in herself whatsoever, and she's nervous and she like she can't get up on time, and uh, it's like I think it's her more interaction with the Baron as a character mm-hmm. and uh, her experience in the the world of cats that you you see this this growth as a as a person and her experience you know as a cat yeah and you see this like towards the at the end of the film. Where Haru be like her mother wakes up, she's like, "Oh, I woke up late." And there's Haru like being the adult, be like she she is um, matured. She's matured. She is very. Much she's matured. not really grown up. She's still the same age, but yeah, right. but it's, she's holding herself differently. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that confidence which the the Baron is kind of bestowed upon her. It's like you know tr- you know trusting yourself, believing yourself, and uh, being someone like for the longest time did not believe in themselves. Be like that. That's something that you know, like, kind of hit home a little bit for mm-hmm. me, and uh, I really appreciate that when they do that with characters. 
because there's a lot of times like in some animated films or TV shows, it's literally you see a character growth about this much. Yeah. And you have a movie that's an hour and a half. You have such a monumental shift of character growth. And they're still pretty much the same character they started yes. as. Yeah, exactly. We're in this well, film. Go to ahead. To be fair, I am usually the same character I am an hour and a half ago. <laughs> True, but this is taking place over the course of at least 12 hours. Right. All right, I'm saying that it's the same as I was 12 hours ago. And then a lot of the ones he's take, talking about, it's like years and months or months and years have gone past and they're growing like maybe an inch in maturity. Yeah. yeah. Talk about you, Ash. <laughs> hey, he's the world Pokemon champ again. Oh, I thought you were talking about his girlfriend. Okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I do call her Ash every once in a while. Yes, but that's not what he not, was referring not, not to. Not Ash Ketchup. Anyway, <laughs> quick, let's get out of that one quick. Yes, <laughs> Paul, Paul, what is your first dislike of this film? Okay. <laughs> I thought this was confusing. Um, now, I, I will say, after watching, this is the first time I watched this film, the first time in the Japanese language, and then mm -hmm. the second. And it, mm -hmm. I was surprised how much I liked it better the second time. I, I understood a little bit more. But one thing that I found confusing, especially the first time, was the character of Yuki, the white cat that tries to help Haru. She's this mysterious voice that uh, tells Haru to go to the bureau. Mm -hmm. But why at first it seems like uh the cats from the cat kingdom are bad so all right tell Haru to get you know cats from the cat kingdom are bad you need help to get out of that but then the prince wants to marry yuki instead of haru so then suddenly the cats are okay and it was like Oh, the bad cats are now okay or what is her motivation here or is or is yuki the white cat just trying to help haru away from her fiance like hey that's my man i gotta like uh, get her <laughs> push her out basically her whole motivation it, to me is very confusing it's like what what's going on here why why is she doing like why is she telling her to go to the bureau to get away out of the cat kingdom what mm. You know, that was so the only way I can even touch on this is the simple fact that the only quote unquote bad cat I would say would be the cat king. Mm -hmm, sure. He's got and of course he got his direct cronies with uh Odo and Andy Richter. I can't think of the characters' <laughs> sure, names right sure. now. Right, sure, yeah, yeah. Uh and of course all the people who are who work in the palace who are having out of you know duty mm -hmm. are serving him, but maybe the the people are not exactly the are, are more kind because they're having to live under, you know, his total totalitarian esque rule, and they're hoping the prince will be a better king. Don't which you the Paul? Hmm. Don't you mean Paul? Paul? Is that my new I... nickname as a cat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where I should have said Paul, <laughs> and you went. Under, uh, you, you were going for like under his thumb, but I was like, no, it's a paw. I never oh. said under his I know, thumb. <laughs> but either way. <laughs> oh, the reason why I can't remember Andy Richter and Odo's character's name is one is Natoru, and the other is Natori. Yeah, so I want to call them both Naruto. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> 
So that's why I still think, of, oh, it's Odo and Andy Richter. <laughs> yeah, it's much, it's easier that way. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my only defense on what you were bringing up there is. Yeah, that it's, it's, it's kind they, of frustrating. It's like, oh, maybe she's this Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of mystical thing that she's mm-hmm. going to help her. But it, no, I'm here to marry the prince instead. <laughs> like, I don't. Or like, I get to marry the prince instead. I don't know. It's, it's Plus, confusing I mean, to me. She did kind of owe Haru for saving her back True. in the day. Which I thought was a great callback. I, I love yeah, that, I that, that tie back uh, where they brought that backstory in and it was all a, a good circle. But wh- why? I I needed what, more. As, as what, what, I w- what I would actually like to know is how did Yuki tell her this? Was she watching haru yeah. from like above yeah. the uh yeah. the drain pipe sure does she have some kind of weird telepathy connection what's oh, going maybe. on yeah i don't maybe. know can can she go between both worlds yeah well, i mean the, I we see the, the cats, cats go can. yeah but they can only go through technically through that one portal well then but, how did they come in through i i i assume that they can roam free just like out of the bureau those people can characters can roam free and just like the people can they just don't know how to get into those entryways that's the whole parade of cats come in you know with the king right they they can roam to and fro i thought it, it's not really explained you just have that one little contrivance at the end where the only way we can leave is to go through this one portal that's at the top of this tower yeah so how does yeah that's that, that there's different ways in but only one way out i don't know and that as supposedly that's the way they came in, back in when they kidnapped haru so yeah or would that be catnapped mm-hmm. yes cat burglared anyway cat burglared <laughs> jacob what's your first dislike uh my first dislike would be the explanation of how they escape from the world of cats is because they they have to I can't remember well, what characters. I think it's the uh, the Baron who says, or some, someone had to say. I can't remember who it was, but they it was you had to. The only way to get back to the real to Haru's world is to get to the tower. Yes. Yeah, the I think you, you said that. Yeah, to get the way to the top of the tower, and uh, it's like yeah, because it, it connects with the world at some point. But when the tower collapsed, it brought it down lower. Yeah, or but, they said it moved. It moved. Yeah, the, they, the entrance point moved. Right. And so yeah. now it's and now, now it's, it's like, like super you're, you're, high in the air. Yeah. You're yeah. Just, yeah. It, it makes for a great scene, but I'm like, okay, that's the only way out. Yep. And which like which, which means it's gonna be like how many birds are gonna fly in through that thing where the portal opening is now? Exactly. Well, and maybe uh, it's an exit only. They yeah, bump like into you... it like like a window, like birds do. <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah, so there, there was a little. I wasn't confusion. It was just more like yeah. okay. So, like, it makes for a great scene, but like uh, story wise, it's like, huh? It, it was just. It was like you said. Like Paul said a little bit. Like with uh, the uh, the uh, the straight kitten in which uh, mm-hmm. Haru rescued when she was a kid. And be like, I, I think I tracked it. A l- I think I may attract it a little better than you, Paul. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit. But sure. there again, some sometimes we, we either or. I'm, I'm sticking my, I'm sticking my paw in my mouth. Uh, no, I understand because if if the Baron can fly in through a crow, uh, like to the land of the five right. lakes that looks like a paw and just be dropped right. in, mm-hmm. right? It's like 
like following those lights, like the, that was like a, a like a wormhole, like a, a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't yeah. have to take the shortcut. You can get in there. But I assume until they had mentioned that, like Jacob is saying, mm. that that's all how you get out. You could walk out if you want, yeah. just like you could walk in. But apparently, no, It's it seems contrived for a story. Like they had to create drama for, mm -hmm. for yeah. their own reasons. Yeah. yeah. It, it almost feels like they hadn't really thought about how you move back and forth between the worlds yeah and then it's last just, minute oh it's just let's they put it up at the highest place the hardest place to reach <laughs> yeah you yeah know, bringing more tension and like excitement to the film especially if the reason they dropped haru in the you know the village at the very beginning was because you know muto was too heavy uh <laughs> that's still an awful long fall that should have injured at least her i can give maybe muto maybe you know well, it's part of the cat-like reflexes. But that... she's not cat yet, so she still yet. technically should be injured yeah. by that fall if it's from the height of the top of the tower. Yeah. Well, that's true. But anyway. Mm. But, you know, the cats land on their feet, which is what I was wondering when they when the king had them thrown out the window. It's like, oh, they'll arrive safe. They'll land <laughs> yeah. safely, right? Maybe. 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 <laughs> like, e even the princess would be like, yo, I'll... Be like, I, I want to spend the rest of our nine lives together. Right. I'm like, so it, it's kind of like the the teaser trailer for uh, Puss in Boots new movie. Oh, it's like, a, nice. a, a, yeah, apparently Puss in Boots has he's on his ninth life that he's trying to live is his his one last wish. That's it's right. like, how many times would be like, it's like, okay, you got thrown out the window. Oh, you survived this. It's like, but I gotta face the king again. Like, how many lives am I gonna waste with this guy? Just say it. That actually raises an interesting question about the Shrek universe. Has Puss in Boots not actually died and then played that joke yet? Did they really wait this long for that joke? I, I don't yeah. know. I just it's just a thought that occurred to me. Sorry. All right. Uh, you have to rewatch and find out. Maybe exactly. Well, we're working our way yeah, through we'll that slowly through but surely anyway. All right. But uh, my first dislike. So as much as I liked the backgrounds in the real world, mm -hmm. yes, they're kind of lacking when we get to the cat world. Well, sure, maybe that's uh, part of it. It's distinct how they distinguish it from the real world. It's and, more and, I, and I like, and I get that, but it's because you do get a more you know, like real realism in the real world, fakeness, not fakeness, but more of a fairy tale feel in the cat world. Sure. But still, a part of me was thinking you could still have detail in some of these shots. Yeah. But, they but it really a, a does feel like to me. <laughs> it feels like we're being thrown into like an illustration in a book kind of a thing, which yeah. is cool and all, but it's like, uh, I wish they, what, what it comes down to is I wish there wasn't a feeling of whiplash when uh, you move between worlds. I see. Yeah. I wish if you're going to, if, if you're going to have this, you need to, you need to give a little more realism maybe to the the cat kingdom and maybe a little more fantasy to the real world i i think what it is i don't mind the 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 vast differences like it can mm -hmm. be stark different as far mm -hmm. as styles and everything yeah but when one style looks lazy compared to the other then that's an issue yeah and <laughs> admittedly this is still good it's just you it's go from as, like 
Yeah, you're comparing it to the previous part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. and that's and that's the the problem. I mean, right. I just I just wish there was more of a not a continuation because it is supposed to be two separate worlds, mm -hmm. but more of a. I want it to stay a little bit more in, in motif, even though they're two entirely separate things. Because I want the two universes to feel somewhat connected uh, even though they aren't if that makes sense it's it's like they're different lands but they belong in the same world and they don't yeah. right if like you're going to have world. if I, you're going I to have that. human haru look so much the same as she did in the real world yeah because she doesn't because she's still the same character model they were using there i i feel like there should be more of a it, it really she really makes her stick out more at that point I don't know. It's there's it's just a weird little motif thing. It's probably I know what they were doing, and I think for the most part they succeeded. I just wish there was more. I wish they had done just a little bit better, if that makes sense. It's this is really yeah. more of a nitpick. Yeah, yeah, it makes I'll sense. admit, but yeah. So, uh, Paul, what is your second dislike? All right, in this movie, they make a big deal about how to has to make it back before dawn but otherwise she's gonna stay permanently a cat mm -hmm. so then they look at the exit and the exit already has a bright blue sky and i'm thinking <laughs> well it's way past dawn it looks uh, mid-morning maybe even afternoon i don't know but that is a bright blue sky and i'm like well wait a minute maybe i'm wrong when technically is dawn so i looked it up and dawn is Dawn begins right when the the sun is seen at the horizon. So, if anybody who from has ground seen level, a, right? At, at what eye level? At, 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 at when you're at ground level, correct. Or yeah. wherever you are, wherever the sun, you can see the sun. Mm -hmm. Now, if anyone has ever seen a sunrise, you know it gradually gets uh, brighter right before the sun hits, and then it becomes right. even more bright. So. And before dawn, before the sun actually appears and you can see it, it's 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 not bright, bright, but it is light, but not like they were showing. So that that really okay. threw me for a loop. I was like, when I first saw, it, like, well, she's a cat. <laughs> like, <it's done. laughs> Time's up. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. You're be you're be licking fur for the rest of your life, girl. So yeah. tough luck. So I may have another little defense to throw at this go um, for it first off dawn where is it uh, dawn at the portal from where the, from the port from where the portal is seeing out is it dawn from well it's the town? not it's not it, it's never dawn at the cat kingdom it's always right. I wherever know it's the not, portal right. i assume wherever the portal is but yeah. my my question is the thing is when they said that the portal oh. was uh, you know, in the cat kingdom was up high at the top of this tower. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, when we saw that portal, when, you know, they went, when the, the Baron, I think got thrown into it there at the beginning or right before, you know, we, we got to see the cat kingdom mm -hmm. that was almost down there by the lake. So it almost looked like when the tower fell and the portal moved in the real world, it went up high. I may be reading too much into that, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. So in my mind, it's like, yeah, you get up higher, the light may be a, granted, from that angle, there sh it should be a little darker. I will grant you. Yes. It should be a lot darker from yeah. that angle, but maybe they were thinking it's up higher, so maybe it, 
the 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 sun is going to be hitting it at a different the sunlight will be hitting I, it at a different angle. I see what you're saying. Well, that's a lot. But that's a <laughs> lot of rationalization. Yeah. I will yeah. grant you. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. I thought they could have made that sky a little darker. Not a little, but like at least half darker if they wanted to portray that. Right. Fair. Yeah. Granted, once we actually get out into the real world, I think the the daylight is done better for that yes. time of morning. But at that moment, when you're looking up through the portal, it's like, oh, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> the sun has come out. To and this it's morning. <laughs> and now Haru is stuck as a cat forever. Wow. <laughs> It's going to be hard to explain at the next physical at school. <laughs> okay, uh, Jacob, what is your next dislike? My second dislike, uh, this is more of a nitpick. The animation style of this movie is beautiful. The art style itself is a wonderful. It just, like, this is an extreme nitpick. I know this. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know this was a Studio Ghibli movie, I would have thought this was just another anime. Yeah. Mm, because it that. it doesn't really have that charm and whimsical like it's a fantasy movie, but it doesn't have that like Ghibli uh Miyazaki feel as a film. Like it obviously has connection with uh yeah. the Ghibli world, but it well, doesn't it doesn't technically feel like it's part of the world. I mean, you do get a difference between the Miyazaki Ghibli films and the rest of the Studio Ghibli films, as we've seen, because Miyazaki uses like one general art style while Mm -hmm. the rest of uh, Aisao Takahata and the couple of other ones, they tend to have more Mm -hmm. uh, varied art styles that they use. I agree. Uh, the only one I think of I, uh, that of the others that uses more of Miyazaki's general look, I think actually was Grave of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. But that's I think more just because of the time at they maybe they were trying to go for a more studio style at the time, and it's just Miyazaki kept with that style. I don't know if that's what happened. But yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah, there again, just it's it's just more like you know observation, mm-hmm. and it just kind of looked like. There again, if I didn't know this was a Ghibli film, I would have thought it's like, oh, it's just an internet anime. But because there again, I think with like anybody be like, you think Studio Ghibli, you think Hayao Miyazaki mm-hmm. in general. So like you see this movie, it's just like, is this the Ghibli film? It's a Ghibli movie, but it's just more, it throws you for a it, little it bit. It is different. It is different. It is different. It doesn't have that whimsical like you're used to with a, with a, with a, a, a Ghibli film, but it's still an amazing film. So that was just an observation of mine. So my second dislike is why is this not a pilot movie for like an anime series? Thank oh. you. Because I would watch the crap out of an anime series based on this concept. Exactly. Give us There's a lot Baron. of world building that this 70 little minute sh- yes. film does. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, my my role this my my last this is my last dislike because I couldn't come up with a third. Um, <laughs> why is there not more of this? I actually looked because there is a manga, but the manga is an adaptation of the movie, and they didn't make any more of it. It's oh. like, why? This is a perfect setup for a show. 
I, I get that maybe Studio Ghibli, this is not like in Studio Ghibli's idea of doing things because they've done, they have done a few shows, but it's not, but they haven't done a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But why is there not a TV show based on this? Why didn't you partner with, say, another studio to use these character models and make an, an, a show based on this concept? This would have been a great idea for a show. And, and it that's, might why be Doc, a, that's why Doctor uh, Who does so good. It might be a great way to train up young animators who, yeah, who graduate into the movie part. Exactly. Yeah. Talk about a way of grooming directors mm-hmm. to to replace your 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 aging staff, mm-hmm. which is what they wanted to do with this, right? Right. Uh-huh. So why is there not why is there not a TV show where you could make a little bit of money on this? This I I, I don't know. Did this not do well in Japan? I mean, what no, happened? It did, it did good. It so did very good. Why is there not? I, I get my my maybe. Uh, Takahata or Miyazaki may not have wanted to, you know, make a series if they were directing it. But why is why did they not have like a division? Just like put this out on like I don't know, TBS or something. Yeah. Not 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 American TBS. It's or TV Tokyo. We'll say TV Tokyo. Mm. This oh, would have yeah. made a great show, like for like one of these channels. Especially since this is like at the be- the middle of the anime boom at the time. Mm. So. I don't know if that's you ought to talk to the board of directors of that. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Uh, Paul, do you have a third dislike? Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with <laughs> Jacob a little bit about Haru's character growth. Wow. I understand that she could feel more confident mm-hmm. um, at the end because of the direction. I, I agree with that from the Baron. Mm-hmm. But when she goes from having a hard time waking up in the morning to all of a sudden now she's cooking <laughs> breakfast and ready yeah. to go and that's too much of a stretch at least for my mm-hmm. personal experience okay i like that's or uh, that's too far like <laughs> I, I know you want to show character growth but you just grew her way forward like for for what happens in this yes i will yes. agree yeah i mean i i've seen a couple of times where they've done that as a joke where it's like you're not who are you and what have you done with haru kind of a shtick yeah. right where it's like the next day but there's usually a lot more between point a and point b that lets you know how at least for the audience how we got there yeah agree so okay. that was too much of fair. a push forward for me at the end i got you fair enough fair enough my my third and final dislike of this film there again it's one of those more it's like plot what happened here um so we learn we like obviously the baron and what's the crow's name uh to- no uh, uh, toto toto yeah oh, the crow's name yeah yeah. We, yeah yeah toto so toto and the baron are like left adrift they don't know how to get into the world of cats allegedly allegedly yeah. well and i mean they were take. following the they're following the the, light. the, mag- the magic sprinkles but yeah the magic sprinkles <laughs> Yeah, the kitty litter. Okay, the kitty litter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's 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 a wonderful scene in which where they're they're at the uh, the the king's court and uh, they're having the feast and Haru's all upset and the king is like be like you know entertainer 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 and then the the mask figure obviously it's the Baron shows up yeah and I'm like how did the Baron get there? It's a cool scene. It's like he just walks in with swagger and just like he's cool kind of yeah. scene. I but, I can answer this question. But how did he get there? 
Wibbly, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is Doctor Who logic. It's just it happens. It does happen. There's I just, agree. To some degree, it's like maybe don't think about it too hard when the do- when when the Baron was not the focus character at this point. True. According to the movie that I watched twice, it just seemed like the crow dropped them off just later because they didn't take the shortcuts. I don't know. I don't know. That's what it seemed like to me, hmm. but. Again, maybe you can like walk in there if you had enough time. Yeah, like I just can't like get we, out. Like we said earlier, there's not a lot of thought process that went into how you maybe move from one world why to the they other. They didn't do the TV series. It's like <laughs> they didn't have everything fleshed out. Well, yeah, I mean, in my mind, it's you don't necessarily have to go back to the cat kingdom until like much later on because I'm still thinking of it as a, a problem of the week top show, mm. but uh, like Doctor Who is pretty much. Yeah, just imagine the uh the like if you had a young girl that was just like cat crazy and stumbled mm-hmm. into the world of cats it's like oh no be like we're all gonna get squished to death anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly wow it could also be that oh no that wouldn't make sense either never mind because <laughs> technically the the baron while he is cat shaped he's not actually yeah he's a, a cat he's a doll, doll. Yeah, but anyway, he's a cat plushie. Well, not quite a plushie; it's a china doll. But moving <laughs> on. Uh, so, uh, we're on. We're on your dislike now. Yeah, my dislike. What's yours? Or do oh, you have? I for sure switched that. Anyway, I don't have a third dislike. Okay. Uh, because I just I do kind of like this movie. It's a fun yeah. movie. Uh, so yeah, I don't have much. I don't, I, this may I may be not being very critical of it, but when I was sitting down and looking at the sheet of paper thinking, what on earth is my third dislike going to be? I decided, well, it's just going to be one where I don't have one. Mm-hmm. It happens well, from, from time to time. If you want a boat, I have a few that I could throw in. There. Oh, sure. If you go got, ahead. Um, go right ahead. The king in the, at least the English version, is a lot more creepy because he's adding babe at the end of everything and he's uh-huh. more sleazy. He's mm-hmm. in the Japanese version. It, at the end, it's like when he finds out that Haru is available, it's like, oh, well, then how about coming? How about joining with me rather, you know, rather than, hey, I'm a sleazy guy. I've I've been wanting you near me the whole time. And it's I, I found that I thought the degradation of that character between translations mm. was a bit I, I was a bit much. It pushed mm. the character more in that direction mm. in the English translation. And I thought that was a little more degrading towards someone who is royal and is in right. you know the japanese culture is more respected and there's a reason mm-hmm. for that rather than this hey babe how about we you know go over here or whatever right it, it uh so that was jarring for me so there's a bonus one I got all righty any anything else before we jump into rating this um i did have another but we can go later if you got it go ahead and say it no, I can't remember it. <laughs> oh, okay, well, never mind. So well, I'll just say, Paul, what is what are you rating this film? I rate The Cat Returns a 6.5 out of 10. Ooh, okay. Which is, you know, above, just slightly above, you know, the middle of the road average. Mm-hmm. It's well done, but it's not this great. Oh, you've got to check this out. Right. Mm. Jacob? I'm going to... I will rate this a little higher. It's an 8.5 to me. Uh, even though there's like plot points where it's like, huh? What the heck? 
or the on catnip? They did did they not like flesh out this world? Uh, but like story wise, it's very well done. Be like Carrie Ellis as the Baron is fantastic. Best cat. I wouldn't say best cat, but he's like no, best. He's not, he's not Gigi. No, he's not Gigi. Let's say that he's not Gigi, but he he is best uh uh doll cat. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> All uh, right. But uh yeah, eight point eight point five. Uh, to me, incredible film. Uh, I want to buy this and put it in my collection mm-hmm. and um uh, and watch it again because I just love this movie. Yes, it has problems. It has plot problems. It has how in the world do you how do how in the world do all these characters get into the world of cats? It just like explain this to me, but we can't explain it. And plus, there's no there's no series. Exactly, <laughs> it's magic. That's how. That is true. It's Ghibli magic. Yeah, they don't explain Totoro. Why should they explain the Cat Kingdom? That is true. Well, except Totoro, you could kind of explain away as being just mystical spirit. Mm-hmm. This is just well, like. The cat world that we made up the entire logic behind, but we're not going to tell you any of it. Mm-hmm. See, cats really do. T- yeah, they really cats really do talk. They just don't want to talk to you. That's all. Yeah, oddly enough, oddly enough, cats. They've done studies that like cats really don't talk to each other. They only talk around humans. Apparently, apparently, they just meow in front of people because it gets their attention. Oh, but it's still you like you still hear cats. You know fight and they yeah. that kind of thing but understandably cats would be like when they're around humans they normally meow and you know whatever because it's like humans be like oh that's a cat so they just do it around humans apparently you maybe didn't they, know this huh? maybe they figure this out and maybe it has to do with the invention of the universal translator but this is how dr taana comes aboard you know <laughs> We'll get to that here in a couple minutes. Yeah, there we I go. still have to rate this one. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm actually going to rate it an eight. Okay. Uh, this is I, well, I still enjoy this movie, and it's a fun one to watch, and and I think it is one of my favorites from a uh, very subjective point of view. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of other movies, a lot of other Studio Ghibli movies, even if you're not including Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of other animated movies out there that are just better films. So I kind of feel like this has to come down a little bit. Okay. Uh, but because it's not at the quality of those films. But at the same time, it's one that's highly enjoyable. It's a good, fun adventure. And I think it really should have, it really does feel like this is a pilot for a show that never got made. And that's kind of what I really am more put out with. Hmm. But and I don't know why I didn't switch that back over. But anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of this. So uh, we need to jump into uh, our review of the Star Trek Lower Decks episodes. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship enterprise its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before
So before we get into this, Paul, I am curious, have you watched any of Star Trek Lower Decks before this? Um, I have seen... I saw uh, season one when it first came out. I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. And I'm not a fan of, uh, how should we say, the more um, irreverent cartoons. Kind of like I, I don't, I saw one episode of uh, um, Mork and, not Mork and Rick Mindy, and Morty. Rick, yeah. Rick and Morty, Dr. Pickle, whatever. Uh <laughs> I, I, and, and the search not for, for Szechuan me. sauce. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what? I, I saw the first episode of the first season. Like, all right, I'll give it a try. And I, I didn't really like the, uh, like the hey Mariner, just like you know, screw you guys. I'm number one. Forget you. Her mm. attitude mm -hmm. of, of that. Um, but I got to the end, and it, it seemed to get a little bit better. Um. So I had just watched uh, just season one. And then when I found out I was coming on with you guys to review a couple of a couple of episodes of season two, I was like, all right, I'll watch uh, from the beginning of season two to whatever this is. Well, this is the end of season two. So I'll, this last week I, I binge watched the, this, <laughs> this season. I think there's only 10 episodes. Or yeah, it's only yeah. 10 episodes yeah. per yeah. season. But I didn't want to get... If there's any lagging stories in between, like Boimer going, you know, to the Titan, I, I want to be aware of these things. Right. Not that, mm -hmm. not that it really matters, you know, because they reference things all the time that just go over your head and you're like, oh, well, moving forward, it doesn't really matter that much. You can kind of get the drift. But well, there is an ongoing story. It's just in the background of what's going on. <laughs> right. So I, I could say, like Jacob, I have seen up to this point in this series i have okay. not seen um season three yet but i will say that uh watching season two i've like i've come to like this i think it's gotten better uh as as the show has moved along so i'm really starting to grow attached to these characters and like them so all right mm -hmm. well let's go ahead and jump into the first episode we're reviewing tonight which their title the title is in Klingon. <laughs> and I think it's pronounced Wedge Dudge. Sure, we'll go with that. We'll yeah. go with that. Uh is directed by Bob Suarez and written by Catherine Lynn. Uh, in this episode, according to IMDB, the boy Boimler tries to find a bridge buddy while the USS Cerritos crew has a has downtime during a long warp trip. And that is so little of what is actually going on that in this true. episode. I was about to say, that was a minor point. That was a minor story, because the rest of this is watching all the other lower deck crews on the other ships. Uh -huh. Yeah, the Klingons, the, the Vulcans. The, Vul mm -hmm. the best was Pack in credit ones. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Paul? I said the best was the end credit ones. And yes. I don't, I, I don't, oh, yes. And I won't say what that is, but it's a fun... Uh, I, I'll, I'll mention it here in just a okay. second. It's hilarious. <laughs> the guest cast for this episode, and man, there's a lot of them. I do have to start off with Fred Tadasior, who normally plays Shaq, who so is a normal character, mm -hmm. but he also played uh, two different Klingon officers in this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert... the limit. Yeah, Robin Atkin Downs played an older Klingon officer and the Klingon first officer, Tog, who got killed right after we met him okay yeah john curry played ma'a who was the klingon lower decker who was the captain by the end of this episode ah. of that ship 
Uh, Colton Dunn played Klingon Captain Dorg, who was the villain of this particular episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rich Fulcher reprises his role as Rebnar from the last, what, two episodes, two, three episodes ago? Yeah. Um, he's also the voice of the Pac-Led computer and many of the Pac-Led lower deckers. <laughs> uh, Mark Evan Jackson is the voice of Vendome, who is the Vulcan who is available to play chess. Uh, Joy Burnson played Shara, who is the Vulcan unable to play chess. <laughs> uh, Nolan North voiced uh, so- Sokol, the Vulcan commander. And Gabrielle Ruiz uh, was introduced in this episode as Talyn. I say introduced because uh, I was she... about to say she did. Well, I won't go into season three, but it seems like she's going to be she, a future character. She does not yeah. have a major role in season three. I will tell you that much, oh. but it looks like she will in season four. Oh. Uh, Jess like... Lowe played uh, Tagai, the female Hawaiianer. <laughs> sure who's really a winner yeah. sure <laughs> and then uh, uh carl tart of course played lieutenant kayshawn hmm. uh, the episode's title in klingon translates to three ships which is weird because there's actually four ships yes <laughs> anyway, <laughs> think of that. uh the title card presents the title and in klingon script this is the first Star Trek episode title to begin with a lowercase letter and the first not to be written on the title card in a non-Latin alphabet. Nice. Series creator Mike McKayan originally planned to have the opening credits of the episode appear in both Klingon and Vulcan, but was unable to do so due to the time and expense it would have added. Oh, that would have been amazing. Just have it all in... Well, yeah, all three because it's three ships. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, this is the first episode of the franchise that features a scene played during the end credits. So far, I think only. Hmm. Uh, Talen quotes Spock in this episode from Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country, saying that logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Ironically, her headband resembles the one worn by Valeris in that movie. Hmm. Yes. S- uh, Sokol, the captain of the Cheval, has a meditation lamp that has a copy of the one uh kishara uh, copy copy of the one spock had in his quarters uh dr taana's rock climbing holodeck program is representative uh, reminiscent of james t kirk climbing el capitan at the beginning of star trek five the final frontier as was boimler's go climb a rock shirt and hover boots (laughs) captain freeman's retos t-shirt echoes the disco t-shirts worn on star trek discovery when they're off duty and exercising the pack led puppet master who was previously sought by the USS Titan away team in case Sean, his eyes open was revealed in this episode to be Klingon captain Dorg Dorg quotes William Shakespeare's play, Julius Caesar uh, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. The same line along with many other lines uh, from, from Shakespeare. It was quoted by general Chang in star Trek six, the undiscovered mm-hmm. country. Of course, said in their original Klingon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> While playing Clue, Mariner casually mentions the sniper rifle that can shoot through walls, a reference to the TR-116 rifle modified by Chulak with a micro-transporter featured in the DS9 episode Field of Fire. Oh, nice. <laughs> Ma'a mentions that other Klingons have tried to destroy the peace between the Federation and the Klingon Empire, as previously seen 
scene with uh, General Chang, Ambassador Kell, and the House of Duras. Ma'a saying that Klingon blood runs as reddish-pink as ever is a reference to the inconsistent variations of Klingon blood color throughout the franchise. I was hoping they'd throw in Pepto-Bismol, but they didn't. Except <laughs> the color is pink. Is yeah. that Pepto? Same Pepto-Bismol pink anytime you see blood in the in, mm. for the Klingons here. Yeah. Uh, two officers, a human and a Vulcan, each wore a leotard in their off time, matching those worn by Deanna Troy and Beverly Crusher in the Next Generation episode, The Price. Nice. Mm. So, uh, Paul, since you're our guest, what is your thoughts on this episode? Um... At first, it was very disjointed going from ship to ship. It wasn't um, as flowy as some of mm -hmm. the other episodes. So that was a little, I want to say off-putting. On the other hand, it was great to see the perspective of the lower decks on each of the ships. Yes. So I yeah. thought it was well worth that trade-off. Uh, I, I loved how... Uh, I, I loved being able to see a glimpse into that, how like the mm -hmm. Klingons, they said, oh, the Klingons were probably have it just as well as we do. And not only are they in like sleeping, like in close quarters, but they're on nets. Like they're not yeah. even built into the wall. They're just like hammocks in there. It's so it's like, yes, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> uh, is that all, all your thoughts on this episode? Um, uh, for now, yeah. I'll interject more as people talk. Okay, Jacob, what are your thoughts on this episode? Um, I would say... Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, for some reason, I was getting this episode and the next episode confused. Obviously, there's a tie-in. There's a with, connection. Yeah. There's a connection with it, obviously. But the the I, I love the idea we get to see the other like the other lower decks of like mm -hmm. the Klingons and the, the Balkans. I enjoy that. I really enjoy that. I enjoy that. Uh, definitely. This is a, like it, it turns into what I enjoyed about the movies where you get a lot more action things mm -hmm. like towards the end. It, like you get this, like little glimpse of what's going on. It's like, Oh, there's a distress beacon going on. There's like a, a fluctuation of energy going on like mm -hmm. the, the Vulcans are the first one to pick it up and they're like it's like you'd be like you're you're going outside your parameters with this and uh and the like the uh Cerritos crew picks up on it and they jump out of warp mm -hmm. and you get in this like mad dog fight and the, I was like oh my gosh this is like really really I, I thought it was really cool I thought it was like oh, okay we're finally getting to see something you know like what I'm some used action. to in the movies, some action going on. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. You got to see some stuff blow up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I, I, I don't, I don't want to play it out as like I'm just here for the action, man. But it's just like it was, it was like this, this. What I understand about Star Trek, Star Trek as a television show, mm -hmm. is about, it's more about exploring. It's more about understanding like exploring different worlds and for me from the movie perspective it's about what like really dangerous situation our characters are going to get into this time and like lower decks does that but then you get into the this episode in the next episode it is just so it'd be like it takes the uh the movie format of the adventure 
the adventure and the uh, the excitement of like oh you got real peril you got real peril going on and it's just not you know inner character dialogue which i enjoy on this show and i i hope <coughs> i'm not rambling and sounding like a knucklehead but um or well, not um, any more than normal huh not any more than normal oh thanks wow <laughs> <laughs> That's still coming up. Come on, man. Come on, Dlit. She says it'll wear off by, by morning. Okay. Do I really have to go buy a litter box now? Unless you can hold it by morning. She says you sh that part shouldn't be effective, but thank you for giving us all that mental image. <laughs> You're most welcome. <laughs> I enjoyed this episode. It was really good. It was a very well done Uh the the point where like all three story points converge where the um acolytes and the the Romu the romulans the klingons are are in alliance but the, in the romulans way. were not in this episode no, the romulans <laughs> were not in this episode it was the klingons and uh i enjoy where the uh the klingon lower decker lower deck attendee not attendee come on jacob <laughs> use your words right <laughs> The, the 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 Klingon he he rises in ranks and over uh, um, overthrows the 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 captain mm -hmm. realizing the captain is in the wrong and be like this is not the way the you know Klingons don't do this Klingons don't do this and um, be like he he kills the captain and becomes the captain yeah and it's just like let's just get out of here and be like like this is not the way to do we're gonna go back to the council and uh, we're we're gonna like we're, we're going to make this right. Mm -hmm. And I was like that Bravo. That's a great character art. Great, great character jump for this character. And we, I don't know if we meet this character again later on in season three, maybe uh, we haven't yet. Oh, okay. And the season's over. So maybe he'll come back in four. I don't know. Oh, okay. But with this episode focusing on the other lower decks of other ships and other uh, species, uh, it was a light. It was a light, and definitely when you get at the very end of it, with the um, the the Vulcans coming in and saving the Cerritos, mm -hmm. uh, that was a real treat. That was nice. I, I there again, kind of going back to the movies. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this episode, and definitely the way they tie it in with how the end of the series, the end of season three goes. I really enjoy it so far. All right. Uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Also, uh, my, f I do like seeing, you know, the other blower deckers and the other ships. I, I still think the pack led one is the funniest. Oh gosh. Yes. It's like I'm hungry. Well, you should eat mushroom. That's good idea. And then they don't eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the whole idea that the, the pack led issues that we've been facing since, uh, the end of season one, mm -hmm when they keep coming up is all because we, we finally get some answers on that, all, that yeah. all that stuff's coming from Dorg, uh, a Klingon who's just trying to, you know, still not, he's faced the, 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 the taste of war from, you know, the dominion war. Cause this is takes place after that in the, mm -hmm. in the star Trek franchise. But um, maybe he's really thinking that, you know, much like general Chang in star Trek six, that you know we need to go back to this this is 
you know, being with the Federation is making us soft. So that's mm-hmm. why he's setting up this to try and cause a war to mm-hmm. happen yeah. because he wants to die in honorable combat. Technically, he did die in combat. Whether or not that was an honorable death is another matter entirely. <laughs> that's for the Klingon Council to decide. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, the whole episode I did actually I did enjoy. This is one of my favorites, and I am interested to see what's going to happen with Talyn, uh going forward. The Vulcan version of Mariner, mm-hmm. which is really kind of how she it feels like in this yeah, episode. Like yeah, weird. that's a good point. And I I like the the actress, her voice and her yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Her character design reminded me of. A Vulcan we have seen before. Maybe it kind of reminded me of like the Vulcan in Star Trek VI, played by uh, the mannequin lady from Sex in the City. Um, <laughs> you mean Valeris? Yeah, is the uh, is the character uh, name? I don't remember the actress's name. Right, or the I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of some other Vulcan female we've seen. The, so I, the only other character she her design reminds me of is actually a Bajoran uh, Lieutenant Roe. In, in the end of TNG. Okay. But that's an entirely different character. It's just her yeah. design kind of looks like mm-hmm. that. Maybe it's the headband. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. All right. So let's go ahead and go ahead into the last episode of season two. First, first contact directed by Jason Zurich and written by Mike McKayan. In this episode, the USS Cerritos is tasked to aid another starship on a first contact mission. Uh, in this episode, we've got uh, Phil Lamar uh, as the first officer and Admiral Freeman. Lauren Lapkus playing Jennifer Schreyen. Jim Piddock as Commander Mandel. The voice on the com badge and crewman Horde played by Ryan Ridley. Billups p- played by Paul Shear and Carl Tart playing Lieutenant Kayshawn. And... In this episode, we have a special guest star, Lysia Naff, reprising her role of Sonia Gomez, now a captain. Because uh, when Captain Gomez makes a nervous instant who trips, uh, she explains how she's done way worse in front of many more intimidating captains. This being a reference to the memorable scene from the Next Generation episode, Q Who, in which Gomez accidentally spills a cup of hot chocolate on Captain Picard's uniform. Oh, jeez. She is reprising her role. Uh, She was introduced as an ensign in the Star Trek Next Generation episode Q-Who and last seen in Samaritan Snare, the episode which introduced the Packleds. In-universe, about 16 years have passed since these events, while more than 32 years have passed since the first release of Samaritan Snare. This likely marks the longest real-world time span between two appearances of a character who is still portrayed by the same actor. Previously, Korn and Arn Darvin, portrayed by John Colicos and Charlie Brill, respectively, appeared on Star Trek Deep Space Nine over 28 years after their last appearance on the original series. Nice. This episode marks the third time the phrase First Contact is used in the title of a Star Trek installment, the first two being the Next Generation episode, First Contact, and the movie Star Trek, First Contact. This style refers to first contact missions, prestigious assignments in which Starfleet engages in alien culture for the first time. Despite her mission profile usually focusing on second contacts, the USS Cerritos is assigned to support the USS Archimedes during first contact with the Lapirians. 
After the Archimedes is disabled, Captain Gomez allows Captain Freeman to finish the assignment, marking the first such accomplishment for the captain and her crew. This is the first Star Trek episode to feature the the, the, uh, end title to be continued Mm -hmm. since the Star Trek Enterprise fourth season episode, Demons. So that's a little over 20 years. Yeah. Uh, as solutions to save the Archimedes are discussed, Kayshawn suggests warping around the debris field. Most characters hectically dismiss the idea, and Shax can be heard yelling, Dr. Aaron says that we can't do that. This is a reference to Dr. Aaron McDonald, the science consultant on Star Trek Lower Decks. Huh. Throughout the episode, Brad Boimler is making preparations for Captain Freeman Day, including a banner similar to the one seen for Captain Picard, day in the next generation episode the pegasus several characters point out that the festivities are actually on arts and crafts day intended for children or in the case of the uh, cetacean the the, or calves in other words uh due to the accomplishments during the episode boimler later crudely changes the banner to read happy first contact uh tindy is excited at the prospect of going to the off-limits rubber ducky room referencing the barely visible rubber ducks included on Easter eggs by Michael Okuda in the master system displays on both uh, the Enterprise D and the Cerritos. Nice. A captain's yacht is shown for the second time in this episode after its first appearance in Insurrection. Similar vessels have often been included in master system displays and background information about various uh, ship classes. At the As the implant of Samantha Rutherford once again malfunctions, he quickly views several backup memories of moments he had spent with Devon Attendee, most of which are taken from previous episodes. Notably, one previous unseen memory sees Rutherford intending celebrating a New Year's Eve in 2381, while another sees the pair painting a new Jack Ransom in an apparent art class. (laughs) Rutherford also views and dismisses a memory in which he seemingly receives the implant for the first time. This unidentified shadowy figure in figures indicate that Rutherford actually does not need the implant and imply that it must have nefarious may have nefarious uses unbeknownst to him. More on that in season three. Cetacean Ops is shown for the first time after several mentions and references in previous episodes, starting with Second Contact. Its function is revealed to be associated with the ship's navigation. A similar facility was mentioned to exist aboard USS Enterprise-D in the Next Generation episode Yesterday's Enterprise and The Perfect Mate. It has also been included as a piece of background lore in publications such as the Star Trek Next Generation Technical Manual, Star Trek The Next Generation Blue, uh, Enterprise-D Blueprints, and... Uh, Matt and Kimolu are two beluga whales are first shown are the first shown Starfleet officers from an earth-based species other than humans. And I have a bunch of other ones in here. Other uh, than humans? Trivia. Mm-hmm. And it goes on for a long period of time. But you know what? I'm going to skip over the rest of this. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't understand that. Oh, earth-based other yeah, than earth-based, humans. I was about to say all the others. Earth. Every every species out there is other than human, but Earth based other than Earth based, yeah, because there's so, technically a third Earth based species in Star Trek, which we have only seen in Voyager, which are descended from the dinosaurs, but okay. they're not in this episode. Okay, so the cats aren't from Earth. Okay. No, no. Okay. they're actually they are at one of the uh, 
species are the originally created for star trek the animated series yes which i've seen a couple i i love that they tie it all first of all i got one of the things that i love about uh, i just want to throw this in there about lower decks as a fanboy I love all the connections uh, and using and references from all these others. Unlike another star franchise that tries to say, no, this is canon and this is not, it's kind of separating. This show pulls together and I, I, even I the applaud silliest, it for it. Even the silliest mm-hmm. things. Yes. Yeah. It makes it even better when they do that. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So Paul, since you are talking about, are you talking, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you liked about this episode? Um, um because there's 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 some things about this like it's really weird because these last two episodes are so different from the rest almost the rest of the series almost the rest of the series each episode is mainly a standalone there are a few like leftovers that can be fed into other these these really are are more serialized than the rest i would say um, so it's not a great jumping off point for anyone coming into the series, just as a warning, um, get some background with some other episodes, but that mm-hmm. being said, um, there, there, <sighs> sorry, I'm trying to think of something, something that I liked. There's a lot more drum. There's a lot more, a lot of things in this. There's a lot more drama, like the, the whole like upper decks are, or forget what they're called. The, the, the bridge against the captain. Cause she's, they think she's going to leave. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of hostility there that there usually isn't. Um, but one of the things that I found intriguing about this episode is the whole idea of taking off the outer hall to, yeah. to navigate through this, you know the the this asteroid field for layman's terms just to and because they have to take it off for science reasons fine i get that mm-hmm. um i thought it was a it was a great idea something in star trek that you've never seen before i mean that was yeah. hard to do something I mean, you could not have done in the age of the of the ship models yeah i suppose so i i, I can't i was trying to think when was the last time something like this has been done something where it's like you take an integral part of the show and you make a new thing out of it. It's like, oh, this is a new thing that uh, that can be done. And I, I don't mean like, oh, we, we changed the, the replicators to now make mm-hmm. coffee instead of you know, whatever. But the last time I could think of something this major is the first episode of Next Generation when they do the saucer separation. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, wow, they... They do a major ship uh, modification for for reasons. Uh, yeah. It's a good reason. Now, guiding through the the asteroid field or whatever it is without that outer skin and keeping bumping into things, I just like why why isn't the ship blowing up? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they they made it sound like that that's an, a second. I guess it is a secondary hole technically. That maybe the inner hull can actually do a good nut set, the same kind of job of protecting I, it from the rocks, but yeah. And the thing is, you do see that there was at least some punctures into the in, in that last shot. Sure, of the, it's of amazing the, of what hull. you know. As many Star Trek shows and, and movies that I've seen, and like like it's amazing what damage these ships can take and still <laughs> yeah, function. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then for most of the episode, I'm like, why does it say first, first contact? Why is, why is it first, first? 
And then by the end, you realize, oh, it's Cerritos' first first contact. Oh, yeah. okay, that's clever. Okay, so that 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 was clever. Um, it's interesting to see where this story is going. This this whole uh, I don't know if it's A story, B story. They get kind of intertwined, or yeah, like, they do in, in lower decks. Uh, but um, I'm trying to think what else happens in this. I think that's the it, 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 pretty much it's that whole thing we got uh, getting in there and saving, keeping the the other ship from you know crashing into the planet. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Um, usually there's like a major story and like a mi- a couple minor stories going on, but this I think the only other minor story is is the captain keeping the secret. Like she's gonna. There is the idea that Tendi thinks that she's going to be taken off the ship because yeah. oh uh, that's right she overhears dr taana say that she's not fit to be in medical and it's yes. because she's actually uh wants her to move up wants her to move up and to which is other a areas. wonderful payoff from uh-huh. all the drama with oh, the yeah. captain that going was, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that so. that's the only really b story because i mean the yeah. only other one is boimler being wanting to get credit for captain freeman day oh gosh oh yeah that which was is a stupid <laughs> joke um yeah which i do I, I do have one issue and i don't it's because i don't think any other star trek television show or movie has done something i think this stupid why on earth did they when they designed the cerritos did they put a console at the bottom of a water-filled tube that's supposed to be water-filled yeah that can only be operated by someone with hands yeah Yeah. even if it is something that should almost never have a need to be used yeah it's almost like what is the only exit of a cat world at the top of a high (laughs) tower it's like plot reasons that's the only reason why it's it's a nice only reason it's a nice little uh a a little sequence don't get me wrong it's just right it just seems like Starfleet does some weird things in their ship designs from time to time. Yeah, but this is one of the sense. stupidest things they've I've seen them do. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, and also Boibler being so wanting to take credit for his preparations for the Captain's Day seems kind of out of character. For it, it really feels him. like they really didn't know what to do with this character this episode. Yeah, except for that one sequence, and yeah. they thought, oh well, this whole Captain Picard, we'll make a Captain Picard Day jokes. Right with his character, which is all fine, upset, which is, but his, yeah. but uh, to the degree that he, he takes it, I thought was yeah too far yeah. for him. Anyway, yeah. But anyway, uh, do we have anything else we need to talk about before we end this episode? Uh, I I think with uh when it comes to Tinley and Rutherford, with uh Tinley like scared death, she's gonna get you know booted off the Cerritos, mm-hmm. and uh, Rutherford not wanting to lose his memories that he has with uh tinley yeah and uh i think he's still spooked from the end of last season yeah he's still spooked right. about it and i enjoy where it's one of the characters come to him and be like hey if if you be like you keep all these memories you're gonna have any any there's not gonna be room to grow mm-hmm. i mean I, he he makes that decision to delete all of it and you get that little that little flash <laughs> and be like be like oh there's something like something in his past that he doesn't like maybe he wasn't supposed to remember i i enjoy that obviously it's something in season three and i'm we'll over here trying not there. to say something yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there when we we'll get there I'm, um, I'm just saying that all, all i will say for this for, for that little sequence mm-hmm. 
this 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 is allowing that this show to actually do the uh world building that star trek picard did not do oh i'm just gonna put that out there okay and what the uh it's like when it comes to the reveal that it's like oh the captain is actually under arrest for uh the suspicion uh, of of blowing up an entire planet. planet yeah which i thought was a great twist oh yeah that mm-hmm. was nice because uh, ca- uh captain what's her, what's her name captain, uh, captain Gomez? freeman freeman Thank freeman you. freeman yeah yeah captain freeman be like it's this entire setup to where like oh she's gonna be promoted she's gonna be promoted yeah and uh, it turns out nope she's getting arrested mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like oh that's nice and then it leads into what Season they're three. gonna yeah, season, season three. three and what i understand a lot of shenanigans happened <laughs> oh season three i think is better than season two in my opinion oh, oh okay because wow. i thought season two was better than season well, one. well see here's the I would thing agree with you there for me uh, my problem with season two is it feels like they for all, even with the second viewing it feels like they were not sure where they were going with some different things mm. which is why we have an entire episode named after the replacement security officer with Kayshawn, and then like two episodes later, Shax is back. Mm. So it's like they well, they knew they, they they couldn't bring Shax back immediately, but then they bring this other character in for like now he's just a background character that shows up from time to time. It what so I, and what and it, it it seemed like the whatever they're thought of of the and, and of course they backtracked quickly on Boimler being on the Titan. Yeah, really quickly. One yeah. episode, two episodes. I thought actually. that. Oh yeah, two episodes. I thought that was a great out, though. <laughs> Agreed, it was. I now, thought it was great. Now I will say a lot. Uh, a lot of my issues with season two, and and some of that really does get fixed when we get to season three because mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of, they know where their story is going now. I was say that it say... really felt like at the beginning of season two they didn't yeah. know how to jump how to jump out of season one and continue continue the story. So they had a couple of quick episodes that you know maybe were not pushing a story forward, even though you did have the stuff with the pack leads mm-hmm. that the Titan was do, dealing with. Yeah. But by this point, I mean, really by I'd say epi- episode five they knew what where they were going and they could continue it forward from there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me because from what I, what it feels like to me is that season one is very much uh, an episode by episode, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you call it. But season two is a transition from episodic to serialized. Yeah. Actually so having begin, a continuing story. Right. You have some, at the beginning, you have some stories overlapping, very few. But then by the end, it's like all the all almost all the stories are beginning to over mm-hmm. continue and overlap. And so yeah. there, it's that transition that yeah, that's a and, little and awkward. The, and the thing is, there's there is continuity as, uh, starting in this season that seems to actually affect uh, stuff going forward, like so, uh, the, like the relationship we saw between Taana, I, yeah. Yeah, Doctor Taana and Shax. Yeah, that, uh, throughout the season, even though it was kind of not in your face, but it was there if you're watching it. That right. continues forward. The all the stuff dealing with Jennifer will continue going forward, uh, especially after this episode. Um, yeah, they, and they... and the whole thing with and, and the fact that they are actually playing with Rutherford's past, mm-hmm. I think it's actually 
going to take elements from seat from season one, namely a certain character that was my favorite character from season one. Okay. One episode character. Well, two episodes. He was in two episodes. Mm, okay. Certain holographic. Character. Oh no! He doesn't come back, but they are actually bringing the logic forward as to what's causing what, what the whole deal what with the uh, Rutherford's deal. Oh, okay. That actually will play in all the way to the last episode of season three. Really? Yeah. That's a lot going on. Just those stories that we mentioned between the captain and uh-huh. everyone that you just yeah. mentioned now. That's a lot going on. And they keep all the great Star Trek references all the way through. In fact, season three has a ton of guest characters good and it never That's feels like my favorite parts and it never feels like the, there's like one or two or feels like they added them because we needed one this episode mm. but they all a lot of them do feel like story relevant or at least mm. really good jokes mm. especially in the next episode grounded okay with bill murray groundhog day no not quite <laughs> Let's let's just say this one actually. While we've only had one episode so far that took place on Earth, this next episode has a is mostly takes place on Earth, and a lot of the Earth places that Star Trek has gone. Okay, just I got you'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll be we'll uh, we'll get there when we, when get, we get there. there. Paul, since you are our guest this evening, why don't you tell us where we can find you at and what kind of cool stuff you're doing well i am pauljpowers.com you can find me at pauljpowers.com and see what i'm up to there all my social media links um nothing too exciting except that uh, you can always find me at the retro rewind podcast uh, where we review movies and games that are 15 years and older um and we have hundreds of episodes out it's been it's uh, coming up to our 10th year anniversary so nice. um, you can uh, go to retrorewindpodcast.com and there's a search button if search for any of your favorite movies or games and uh, give us a listen to see if uh, we're worth your time I guess alrighty uh, I think though that's probably going to be it for us tonight uh, so in the meantime this has been Drew this is Jacob And this is pauljpowers.com. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, (laughs) Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. 
not great. I'm a cat still. Man, when is this ever going to end? Oh, crap. Meow.